does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Here on this final lap, and in the final two turns of it, Jack Harvey looks good through turn number three. Rear end is stable as he heads into turn number four. Jack Harvey trying to bump his way into the 107th Indianapolis 500. The four lap average has got to be better than 229.159. Right now is 229.231. Lap number four, 228.971. The four lap average fast enough, 229.166 miles per hour. How about? That run by Jack Harvey. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little shocked. I cannot believe that he did that. What a great run. Unfortunate for Graham Rayall. Doesn't even have a chance to go fight out. Graham Rayall, 30 years later, after his father, Bobby, doesn't make this race. Graham, now 30 years later, he does not make this race. Unbelievable. Boy, hard to script that much better quite the weekend over at IMS and the jubilation that you know was a bit tempered understandably from Jack Harvey uh, the pain and the agony for Graham Rahal well documented well seen yesterday I guess early evening probably over at IMS and we will have Graham Rahal on at 940 today to talk about all of it. Good Monday morning to you. The field is set with 33. Alex Pillow for the second straight Sunday, he is the the big headliner, if you will, from a I guess successful standpoint. In that he won, he wins the Grand Prix uh, last Sunday, and then he is the pole sitter here, heading into the 107th Indianapolis 500. But Jake, uh, the story of the day is Graham Rahal, and really that team in general, but in particular, one of the most popular drivers and last names at that track will not be racing here in six days. You know, it's funny, Kevin, and good morning to you. I I thought about this last night and today. And this is going to sound absurd. But tell me if you agree. In the end, in terms of his popularity and his connection to the fan base at this event, yesterday may be the best thing to ever happen to Graham Rahal. Because, and, and, and I have always tried to remove myself from, you know, you have a job to do, objectively speaking, in covering events. And you try to do so without interjecting your personal experiences and or opinions and how you cover it. Graham Rahal is a guy that because his father won the race in 1986, because his father owns the team, I think there are a lot of people, naturally speaking, that, you know, there's always the stigma of the kid whose dad is the Little League coach, right? Sure. Oh, you know, when I was in Little League, I I should have been the starting pitcher, but, you know, little Timmy Smith was the starter because his dad was the coach. So there's that natural stigma that, that you always have to overcome when you are working for or driving for or whatever your father and so for Graham Rahal, I think there, with certain percentage of the fan base, there is the perception that he is the the kind of spoiled kid or the rich kid that drives for his dad. He's Timmy Smith on the Little League team. 
And even though I think Graham Rahal is, well, I, I don't think I know. I know he's very talented, and I know he's very capable. You know, I've, I understand that perception of him. And I think a lot of people have rooted against Graham Rahal because they didn't feel like they connected to him. They didn't feel like Graham Rahal is somebody that they can relate to. Now, I personally have seen a different side of Graham Rahal. I've known him peripherally, albeit, since the time that he was a 19-year-old kid as a rookie. But I've been around him a fair amount and developed, I guess, somewhat of a, a relationship with him. And I see a totally different side of him. But it's not my job to try to use my opinion to influence the opinion of others. I think it's important to be objective. But I think what we saw yesterday for the first time to a lot of people, Kevin, was Graham Rahal's vulnerability and relatability and a connection that a lot of people looked at and thought, you know what, I think I misjudged this guy. He gets out of the car. He feels terrible for his team. He's emotional. He's understanding. He didn't try to put himself he could have easily said you know what I'm going to get the car for Jack Harvey we're going to pull him out and I'm going to get in there and take United Rentals with me and whatever else he could have done that but I think that people connected to I saw a I saw not a negative thing about him said yesterday literally every person was like you know what it's pretty classy the way he handled the disappointment and furthermore the fact that we had booked Mark Dighton not me not you but Mark Dighton had booked Graham Rahal to be on our show last week to be scheduled for this morning and then last night mark you get the word right hey you know what he's still coming on yeah i kind of was like you know i won't be surprised if they say you know what graham's not going to do it and he said nope graham will be there 9 40 yeah so i think that's a pretty stand-up act by so him. i think i think yesterday kevin graham rahal broke a barrier with the fan base of of this event and I do believe that next year when Graham Rahal qualifies for the Indianapolis 500, he will get a roaring rouse of approval from the crowd. Curious if he's going to be doing it with that team and Rahal Letterman landing in racing. But that's um, also a very good question. Again, he's going to join us coming up at 940. Santino Ferrucci at 9. He's a show favorite, right? For <laughs> Santino Ferrucci. He's on the Mount Rushmore of uh, of show guest. You know, I, I felt this when everything transpired yesterday. I thought back to the little Al quote, Jake, of the emotion that he had in Victory Lane of the, you just don't know what Indy means. And whether it was Alex Pelos just giddiness after getting the pole, and like here's a guy in, I would say, rather well-documented, very public team disputes over the last 12 months, you certainly wouldn't know it watching that scene, whether it's him and Chip Ganassi or him and his American Legion team. And so whether it's that side of it from yesterday, whether it's Santino Ferrucci with the all-American car, the wild hair, driving his you-know-what off. I mean, A.J. Foyt's got two cars in the Fast 12? No one would have guessed that at the start of the week. Totally. No, no one would have thought that at the start of the month. And here's Ferrucci, the... the the kid, you know, I know he's probably in his mid-20s now, who's just made his way through the field in all these races, and now he's starting in the second row coming up. So you could go those two angles from the fast 12, or you could flip it to the back end. And you obviously just talked about Graham Rahal, Jake, and everything there. And what about Jack Harvey? I mean, 
I don't think it's hyperbole to say Jack Harvey maybe was racing for his IndyCar future. No, I think that's a fair statement, yeah. At that absolutely. point. And, I mean, you watched how many qualifying attempts happened over the weekend, Jake. Probably upwards of 100 when you combine Saturday and yeah. Sunday. You ne- very rarely saw anyone improve from lap two to lap three. So what did Jack Harvey find? You know, I, I'm hoping we can get him on the show at some point this week because based off everything you hear about engines cooling down and just the engineering aspect to it, there was no shot that he had to improve there after such a quick qualifying run from a time standpoint, like a uh, not necessarily mile per hour standpoint, but just how quickly he had his previous run to that one that he did. Uh, and the scenes painted a beautiful picture. You guys painted a wonderful picture. Um, quite the drama. Quite the drama. And if we can duplicate that here in six days, we'll have one to remember. The good news is, um, I don't want to jinx it. I the saw weather Lindsay, looks incredible. I saw Lindsay Monroe yesterday at the Speedway um, from Channel 13. And I said, look, I, I hate to ask you, but I'm going to. She goes, man, I, it looks good. It looks good for the forecast for Sunday. Um, but we and, shall see. And Carb Day. Uh, good morning to you, by the way. My name is Jake Quarry. That is Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on 93.5, 107.5, the fan on admittedly open disclaimer. I think everybody knows it. My favorite week of the year. Race week is upon us. Um, there is a ton still to work and navigate through before the actual green flag falls. I am thrilled, by the way. Michael and his seven Australians are in Vegas currently. Sent me a text yesterday, Kevin. I it was want, a wild, <laughs> wild trip. Let the bender begin. <laughs> I want your thoughts, Kevin, on this. Matter of fact, have you been I to want, Miami yet, or is that, <laughs> is that this week? So here we go. The text that I got was Friday at 1034, just landed in L.A. I said, are you dead tired? He goes, no, nah, I feel pretty good. Yesterday, 2.50 p.m., the last two nights we've been in Vegas and I'm feeling battered. <laughs> so from Vegas. Yeah, welcome to the United States of America, Michael. <laughs> from Vegas, they're going to Miami. <laughs> and then after two nights in Miami, they're coming to Indy on Thursday with reservations at St. Elmo at 9.45 the night before Carb Day. When, when he sent that text, did you remind him like, oh, don't worry, you only have 15 more days of this vacation to go. <laughs> yeah. I a, said, a stop in Hawaii to, to round things out. I there. said, Vegas is amateur hour compared to your weekend. Uh, did they uh, pack a broom for Miami? <laughs> I know, man. How about that? How about, I mean... Hey, you want know, to talk about the reverse will, of drama? These conference finals have been a dud. I will stand atop Monument Circle and shout it from the mountaintops, even though there aren't mountaintops here. I was dead wrong about the Boston Celtics. I thought for sure Boston was going to win the East and probably the NBA, and those guys have flat mailed it in. I mean, they taking nothing away from Miami. Miami's the one that that kicked the will out of them, but they. I mean, literally. How about Reggie Miller? Was it Reggie Miller that was on the game last night? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And said, I'm not saying that Miami's disrespecting the Celtics, but they're running plays for Cody Zeller. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought Dustin, uh, is it Dopirak or Dopirak? Dopirak. Dustin Dopirak had a great tweet last night that said the the two highest drafted players on the Miami Heat roster, Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller. Yeah. I mean, that team... 
they had their three leading scores last night were all undrafted free agents. There's no way that's ever happened in NBA playoff history, right? <laughs> I know it. I mean, th- th- there's no way. I, I know. Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, their three leading scores last night. Unbelievable. I mean, they are just, they, I'm telling you, they they play so well as a team. They are remarkable. In the semifinals, we had all four series go at least six games. Tonight, the Lakers playing to keep their season alive at home. And Boston will do the same tomorrow night down in Miami. Um, and then, boy, the NBA's got to be thinking, gosh, and we don't have the final starting till like June 5th. I mean, they, they could have like a 10-day break. Based off these potential sweeps the Australians just go ahead and mix that into the equation, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A loaded show today. Doug Bowles, 8 o'clock. Every Monday he's been with us. Sounds like attendance-wise, some huge numbers over at IMS this weekend. So we'll chat with Doug Bowles about what is obviously an extremely busy week for him. Santino Ferrucci at 9 o'clock. And again, Graham Rahal at 9.40. Jake, that Ferrucci story is pretty wild. Oh, Santino Ferrucci, through his first four starts, has made up 53 spots in the course of the Indy 500. That is the best average in terms of number of spots made up in the start in like 40 years or something. I'll have to look it up. I've got it written down. But he's not going to have to do that now. I the, the biggest challenge, and I'll be curious to ask him about this when we have him on, for him is going to be taming the Tiger in the first 20 laps. Because to know that he's starting right up there up front, he doesn't need to hit the go button just yet. And that team, you know, I, I saw Larry Foyt yesterday on it was yesterday or Saturday on Pit Road. It might have been Saturday, and I just said, "Hey man, you guys aren't messing around, are you?" Like between Benjamin Peterson in row four, uh, yeah, Peterson is the fastest rookie, and Ferrucci. I mean, they they kudos and credit to AJ Foyt Racing because that's a team that has struggled. And they found something out, and man, they put it together and and brought fast race cars. You know, also another team that we should give credit to, um, or driver. Callum Eilat is a guy that probably not a lot of people know a lot about. Talented driver, a British driver that came here last year, ran for Hunkos Hollinger Racing. And there have been some internal issues, I think, with he and his teammate, Augustin Canapino. But Eilat, on Fast Friday, they realized that there was like a – he kept saying to his team, I'm telling you, something is wrong with this tub. The tub being the main centerpiece of the chassis. And he, he kept telling them that there is a drag in this, there's a crack, or something is wrong with this tub. And finally, at the 11th hour, they said, all right, let's look at it. And they went, holy cow, he's right. So they changed the tub, built the rest of the car around it, sent him out on Saturday morning for practice – and then he has to go out and qualify the car that he basically has not practiced in all week with a brand new chassis. He goes out and turns a 228, and it's like, whoa, this guy's in serious trouble. They go back into the lab for two hours, come back out, and boom, he rips off like a 232, puts it safely in the show, and is like, all right. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, row 10 is what I thought row 11 would be. And that's Cal Milot, R.C. Enerson, and Catherine Legg. Uh, yeah, R.C. Enerson's another one. you got to give him credit. I mean, that team, new team, He's he's a rookie. Got bounced two years ago, comes back with Able Motorsports, and everybody just assumed, Kevin, that was the one that was going to be bumped, and solidly, right? Uh, row one, Alex Pillow, the pole winner, Renus VK, and Felix Rosenquist. My favorite row, I think, just based off of you know personality, storylines, youth, experience, all the above, would be row two, and that would be Santino Ferrucci, 
Pato Award and Scott Dixon. Obviously, what was it, Jake? Two races ago, we got a little Pato Award, Scott Dixon back and forth. Now they're side by side. Uh, another row. Two. How about row number three? Rossi Sato Kanan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With yeah. Erickson just behind him and power. How about Benjamin Peterson, the rookie, starting with Erickson and power on either side of him? Think that's not nerve wracking? Yeah, row three right there. Team what teammates that are sandwiching a man with no fear, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. And Rossi and Kanan. <laughs> Sato, it's like and yeah. Sato, you'd never really know they're in the middle of three. So um, a, a whole lot to break down today. It was not a great weekend at all um, for Penske. Uh, again, just one in the top twelve, and that was Will Power at twelfth. You're going to have Joseph Newgarden in the middle of row six, Scott McLaughlin in the middle of row five. Uh, we uh, took the family out there yesterday, Jake. Great crowds. Um, great. Obviously, the weather really helped out. I, I guess I didn't really... I don't know how much this is a storyline going in the weekend. Did we expect like the crazy speeds that we saw? And that was kind of pretty universal, not just yeah. below. I don't know that we thought that we would see... Although, I will tell you this. I'm very proud of this. In the IndyCar Fantasy League, you had to predict the pole speed. I predicted the pole speed average at 234.129. No! It was two Fantasy Indy 500 pole speeds? Is well, that like the, the tiebreaker of the total points in the national correct, title game? Correct. That's exactly what it is. It's the tiebreaker deal. So you have to put it in, and I predicted 234.129. It was 234.217. Um the 235 definitely jumped out, Kevin. I mean, that was, I don't think anybody expected that somebody was going to turn a 235. But the drop off from, you know, you can see the drop off that happens from one lap one to lap four. But no, to your point, I think that probably exceeded what people expected. Um, the other, the other question that a lot of people have, and I mean, I guess we'll ask Graham Rahal this, but I want to make clear that people, understand the high 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 uncertainty of this graham rahal christian lungard and jack harvey are the three full-time drivers for rahal letterman landing and racing Catherine leg is what we call a one-off she was hired to run the indy 500 for the team she made the race it is the car not the driver that qualifies thus Catherine Legg's car number 44, the Honda, it is qualified. It doesn't matter. You could get in it tomorrow. I mean, you'd have to pass the driver's test. Jeez, but boy. <laughs> um, So there have been a lot of questions about whether or not Graham Rahal, because he was bounced and because he has sponsorship tied to him, whether or not Graham Rahal would get in the car of Catherine Legg since she is not a full-time driver. I would be stunned if that happens. They basically said ahead of time that would not happen. Didn't Bobby Rahal say that last night too? Yeah, and I think the the PR of it alone, not just because it's the only female in the field, Catherine Legg earned the right to start the race first off and had the fastest car. If anything, in my opinion, if anything, it would be Jack Harvey that they would replace because Lungard has the high V sponsorship, which is extremely important to that team. And, but I don't think they'll do that either. If that were the case, if they were going to put Graham in for Jack Harvey, they just wouldn't have had Jack Harvey make that last run. 
and Jack Harvey made that last run, and Jack Harvey earned it. And I think the team will say, hey, he earned it. Again, what Jack Harvey found there late is just incredible because you you just weren't seeing guys you know find improvements from like a lap two to lap three on their qualifying runs, let alone doing it so quickly after he had just gone out there. I am curious. This is probably more of a rule question, Jake, but why the unlimited attempts at the last row but not unlimited at like the fast six? Like, should they do just an hour for the fast six? And I then- think it's a great question. I think that the... The answer to that is as simple as I think it's because they want the drama of continuous bumping, if that were to present itself. That that that's my guess. It, just the fact of like you know what I mean. Otherwise, otherwise, if it would just you got back, you know the the drama of Ray Hall sitting there in his car looking at the clock while Harvey goes back out for another attempt to try to get back in. I mean, that would be my guess. Fair question, though, why they don't do that for the poll. I will say, and I, I guess this is kind of carrying Bobby Rahal's water here, but I will give him credit the fact that he allowed – I mean, he is the owner of the team. He could have told Jack Harvey no, or he could have told Jack Harvey if you're going to go out, you're going to go out with 10 minutes to go or 8 minutes to go, so Graham will definitely get another right. chance to go back at it. Because there was a point in time, I don't think this was possible, and Jack's time didn't end up being higher than Stingray Bob's, but Jake, you, you they could have potentially said, "All right, is there a possibility we could get both of them?" Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Into the field, I, I think they knew at that point. Jack wasn't yeah. going to find that speed. Well, yeah, Graham I think they either. knew that Stingray Rob. I mean, his speed was enough that. And, and you know what? I thought Bobby Rahal was very classy afterwards and what he said about that as well he's like hey you know what kudos to dale coin racing and finding speed for that kid and letting him go in there you know they did a good job and it's a lot like for those that are not familiar with the indianapolis 500 to me it is very analogous to the ncaa tournament every year in the ncaa tournament there is a one or a two seed that gets in and has had a great year and for whatever reason, in that particular year, they struggle. And they, they they get bounced early. And you go, what in the world just happened? And every year in the Indianapolis 500, there is a power team or a regular team that, when it comes to qualifying, just flat-out struggles. And Ray Hall Letterman Landing and Racing made some changes in their engineering over the course of the offseason and bringing in some engineers with a Formula One background that, that certainly you would think would help on a road and street course, but might have befuddled them a bit on an oval, and they were chasing it. They were chasing it all along. And Ray Hall also had a weight jacker piece that broke during his run. I think it was on lap three. And that is, as the drivers drive in, in the old days, I've mentioned this before, as you go into turn number one at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, there's you know obviously there's double deck there in the Vista. In the old days, that was just the lower grandstand, and there were smokestacks from Presto Light, which is was on what is now like where Dawson's is on Main Street, right across the street, and also from Allison, there were smokestacks, and the drivers would look at the smoke to see which way the smoke was coming out of the smokestack. That would tell them what way the wind was blowing. In today's day, they have a wind sock on top of the pylon, and depending on which way the wind is going, they have the ability with their steering wheel to maneuver small pieces of weight that slide back from the left to the right to help balance the race car going into the turns. The wind did pick up a little bit on the second half of Graham Warehouse's run, and the weight jacker broke. He couldn't, he couldn't manipulate the balance of his car. 
I mean, at that point, Kevin, you're in serious trouble. Yeah, I'm holding on for dear life. And you can't replace the part. You can't go back to the garage area and replace it. So at that point, he knows I'm a sitting duck here, man. I, I, I'm I'm driving around on ice, basically. So he probably couldn't have gone back out for another run. Uh, he he could have, but he would not have been able to hang it out the way Jack Harvey did. Yes. Imagine we'll ask him about it, but imagine saying a week ago today that of the fast twelve, uh, the first four rows, you would not have a single Penske car, and you'd have one Andretti car. Uh, and the one Penske's will power in twelfth out of the 12 you don't have a single when's the last time in a 500 you didn't have a single penske or andretti in the top 11 boy i'd have to look at that in the top 11 that's good if you say it was last year then disregard what i what i just previously said (laughs) (laughs) you said first time all europeans in the front row did i see that first time that is an all european born front row that is correct it's also i believe um at least at minimum first time since 1960 that we had all practice sessions and all qualifying sessions without an on-track incident we'll hope to continue that today just two hours out there at ims today gates open at 11 one to three is the final practice until carb day so tuesday wednesday thursday nothing on the on-track schedule carb day of course will be it on friday we'll be out there live from 7 to 10 a.m I do not believe in weather jinxes. It looks glorious for Carb Day, and it looks glorious for race day. I am saying nothing. I don't believe in them. I don't believe okay. in them. I'm saying nothing. Mark Dykton cracking a sly smile mm-hmm. at me. I'm staying out of it. Do you think Santino Ferrucci's ever had Little Kings? No. Too young. Well, he's 21. I want to know more about this Indy 500 Fantasy Speed League you're in. No, no, no. There's an there's an IndyCar Fantasy League. They just predict the poll for yeah. every race. There's an IndyCar Fantasy League, which a couple of years ago, we were kind of all required to do it. And then one of my friends from high school had a, had a, like a league. It's you know like a whatever a league. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, do you want to join? I'm like, okay. So I just do it every year. My um, it, I joined it for that particular team or league or whatever i joined it right after my heart attack so the name of my team is penalty for blockage and jeez so you for the for qualifying that one of the rounds that you do is try to predict like the top six for qualifying and then the tiebreakers you have to put in your speed the the average speed the pole speed so i was like you are a huge nerd (laughs) what was that again what you are a huge nerd (laughs) Uh, the first two rows of the 107th indianapolis 500 Spain, Netherlands, Sweden. That's row one. Row two, the United States, New Zealand, Mexico. That's pretty cool. That is. Pretty cool right there to see the first two rows. Obviously, a ton to get to. It is a great-looking Monday. Weather-wise, supposed to be beautiful all week long. Doug Bowles, 8 o'clock. Santino Ferrucci at 9. And Graham Rahal, who, yes, Mark did uh, book last week. He is continuing to... Um, do the media round, so he will be on with us coming up at 9.40 today. And as the week moves along, probably start this tomorrow, guys. I, I guess I'm trying to script the show on air. Uh, start giving away some numbers maybe tomorrow. I've got them, baby. I've got them. All, and here's now we've just got to come up with uh, prizes. I think what I'm going to do is just go over to, um, was it Jay's Lobster? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, up there at uh, I think I'm the just going to go and pick up there three more of those. So we got 
winner, first out, and biggest mover. Those are the three ways to win, right? So we'll start those coming up tomorrow. Kevin Bowie, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton right here on Kevin Quarry, 93.5107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's the fastest poll in Indy 500 history, 234.217. Alex Pillow will lead the field of 33 to the green flag coming up on Sunday. Here was Pillow yesterday after his first Indy 500 poll. It means the world to me now, um, to the boys, to everybody. We know it was going to be tight. It was really tight, but the 10-car crew did an amazing job. All the CGR team gave me the With fastest the car today, so super happy. Side. Jake point oh oh six ahead of Renus VK. And yep. then thirty-third to thirty-fourth was point oh oh seven. Renus VK, I believe, is just the third driver in history to now start in the front four positions in his first four Indianapolis five hundreds. He is in the middle of row number one, flanked by Felix Rosenquist. Nice run for Rosenquist also, 234.114. Row two, Santino Ferrucci, Pata Award, and last year's and the year before's pole sitter, Scott Dixon, who will start on the outside of row. That, I'll tell you what, Dixon on the outside of row two has got to be thinking like, wait a minute, this is new territory for me. And again, Pato War next to him, and they've had some recent history here this season. The other big story from yesterday, Graham Rahal going to join us at 940. He is bumped by his teammate. Again, .007 seconds. Jack Harvey is going to round out the field in that 33rd spot. Here was Graham Rahal yesterday on not making it into his 16th Indy 500. Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult part. You know, you're, you can't do anything. You can't run again. You know, you're kind of stuck there. But, you know, as I said to these guys, you just got to be positive. And everybody puts a lot into this. You know, we just came up short. And I felt like, you know, Jack and those, well, I'm surprised. You know, I, I think with the heat soak and stuff, I'm really surprised. But, you know, you got to be, this place, it doesn't, it doesn't come easy. And it doesn't just happen. Um, and we weren't good enough. You know, we we were the slowest of our cars just on pure pace all week. And unfortunately, that happens. But, you know, you, you've got to be positive. Uh, you got to be humble and gracious in victory and defeat. Um, this next year. I, I can. Obviously, the emotions getting the best there towards the end for Graham Rahal. Again, going to join us at 940 this morning. You heard it mentioned, by the way, um, you know, the fact of the heat. In the qualifying run, um, I think it did cool down a little bit for Jack Harvey. There was a lot of sun, and that affects the car. Speaking of the heat yesterday, 128-102 over the Boston Celtics in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. That puts the heat now up 3-love. Gabe Vincent, 29. Duncan Robinson, 22. Caleb Martin, 18. What do they all three have in common, Kevin? Undrafted. Correct. Jimmy Butler had 16 for the heat. Jason He's Taylor, not even 14. <laughs> Jalen Brown and Grant Williams. And Peyton Richard all with 12, but Boston looks like a team that just said, you know what, it's fishing season, right? And again, will the embarrassment, if they do get swept, will that lead to anything Joe Missoula related Big contract decision with Jalen Brown. I know some Pacers fans have some interest there. We'll see about that, and we'll see tonight, Monday night. It will be the Lakers trying to keep their season alive. Fourth quarter got away from them big time on Saturday night. Jamal Murray was outstanding, particularly early on in that one. He had 37. The Nuggets are up 3-0, and they will go for the sweep. Lakers are favored by 3.5 tonight. That's an 8.30 tip from the Staples Center. Major League Baseball yesterday. Phillies over the Cubs 2-1. It was the Cardinals over the Dodgers 10-5. Arizona 
That's Mark's Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Eight three winners over yep. Pittsburgh. Yankees over the Reds. Four one Mets sweeping the Guardians in a doubleheader. Uh, cute fella. Eight to three over Toronto. I'm looking for your Oakland Athletics. They got shut out. <laughs> Uh-huh. Seemed, Shut out. You seemed very confident in saying that without any, I don't zero see runs it. scored for them. They lost. <laughs> You're right. Two nothing. They lost to Houston. In case you they've thought been, they might have tied at zero zero, they they've lost. been stuck there. on ten wins for like a week and a half right now. <laughs> uh, Indians on the road, right? Columbus this week. Uh, Indianapolis Indians five one winners last night over Iowa. Yeah. Good uh, weekend. The fever. At the, uh, victory Field. Good oh weekend. and two. Yeah, it did look like because they were. Postponed Friday, doubleheader yesterday. Did you get a beer bat, Mark? I did not, but I saw Kyle Hendricks pitch. That was cool. He had some MLB action, some MLB starters on Saturday night. Vince Velasquez and Kyle Hendricks starting for both teams. And then wow. Sunday was Princess Day at Victory Field. So Covering got some, all the bases Covered there. it all. We went to three games in two days. Wait, wait, wait. Wow. Prin- Princess Day or Princess Day? Princess. Like they played nothing Princess. but like Little Red Corvette or, huh? Princess Princess Day. Yes. Not Prince. They didn't play any Raspberry Beret. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. A fever 0-2 start to the year. And Brooks Kepka takes home the PGA Championship. He f- really finishes off this major like I think a lot of people thought he would. With the Masters, that is now five majors for Brooks Kepka. Undeniably um, one of the best golfers in a major championship realm. I would argue of all time, but certainly of this generation. Uh, him, Phil, and Tiger, the only guys with five majors that are currently, if you want to throw out the quotes, active. It was a solid close for him, right? Obviously, I didn't see it. I was out of the It was, today. yeah. Victor Hovland made a nice run. Scotty Scheffler had an impressive back nine to try and make a little bit of run. But Kepka just, in those arenas, man, when guys typically wilt, and, and some guys did, he just always seems to rise to the occasion. And, and that's why that Masters finish was so odd from him uh, last time out. But a uh, bounce back from the injuries, and when the Masters roll around, Kepka is just a different, different animal. Uh, we'll continue the racing conversation. Again, Doug Bowles, 8 o'clock. Santino Ferrucci at 9. Graham Rayall at 9.40. we got a big birthday as well we'll hit on here coming up in a bit here. Kevin Aquari on a very nice looking Monday in Indianapolis. Practice today over at IMS 1-3 to before they take the next three days off. You're listening right here on 93.5 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And I, I, I am stunned. I wish I had a dollar for every time over the course of the weekend in the garage area or the Pagoda Plaza. And thank you to those who came up to say hello and say that they enjoy the program in the morning. Uh, but I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody referenced Little Kings. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I have I have had quite a few people that have mentioned that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Haven't seen any uh, anybody show me pictures of them drinking it no. though. All no right. shock there. Went to seven liquor stores total. <laughs> and what a everybody... weekend for Mark. Can we... <laughs> no. Okay, okay girls, so... stay in the car with mom. I got to go look for this beer. Three Indians games in two days and seven liquor stores. Nothing says father of three young girls like that. All right, we did the Peony Festival. Now daddy's got to go look for some liquor. You know, Why Peony, you got to go look for you know, that beer you know, from Jake? Peony is the state flower of Indiana. I know right? that. I learned now, that. Now you know who can drink a Little Kings today, officially. We have a 21st birthday that we're celebrating? We have a 21st birthday. Uh, I'm going to guess, now let me, can we do this in trivia form? One of my favorite things to do. Is this someone that is, uh, is this a famous person? Yeah, I feel like it's rather obvious. I don't know how, how deep into the trivia game we should get. Um, Whose phone my, is going berserk? Is that yours, Jake? Yeah, of course. My first thought was Elijah. Our Elijah, intern? the former intern that I saw yesterday at the Speedway, and he said, I'm trying to find my friends, and all they told me was that they're near the merchandise trailer. <laughs> and I said, which one? And he goes, I don't know. And then I said, Elijah, the only part of this story that is strange to me is I didn't know you had friends. Wow. <laughs> and he said, I know, oh. it's shocking. <laughs> I liked Elijah. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> he's not the first 20-year-old to lose his friends at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably still looking for him today. Anthony Richardson, the big 2-1. No, really? Colts OTAs this week. So this is the first time that Richardson can throw with veterans an 11-on-11 session. So um, that's what you'll have here over the next three weeks. You'll have a mini camp in mid-June. So 13 practices over the next four weeks for Richardson and company. So the offseason program really ramps up here as they close things out. I think I saw, was it Juju Brents, Jake, who did the green flag on Friday for Fast Friday? I, were, I think were, that's right. They had all the rookies out there, were you right? out there? Yeah, Richardson yeah, yeah. was out in L.A. for um, like a rookie event. Um, but yeah, this is a, I think this is probably kind of the first big step now for the rookie class and obviously Richardson in that 11 on 11 on the field. You can work with veterans and rookies. Coaches are out there. Uh, you'll do that for the next four weeks, and then you'll take a break for summer vacation before training camp at Grand Park. You know, the, I saw the um, – oh, I guess it would have been videos that were released yesterday of all the rookie quarterbacks in their new uniforms, and there was a, a video of Anthony Richardson doing different things, flipping the football around, you know, kind of doing a dance. I, I would assume that that, Kevin, is either for – like one of the TV, you, you know, like when you watch the broadcasts and they, you know, at the beginning, like on Sunday Night Football or whatever, and they show a player and like he's standing there like bopping his head or holding the football up. It must have been for that or even like trading cards. Would yeah, that have been I, what I remember it, it used to be trading cards. Yeah. I think that was kind of the primary uh, rookie premiere event. But this is an annual thing that basically if you are the first 30 picks, you go out to L.A. Um, I don't think I, he might have missed one day. With the Colts, it's not like he was away from the Colts during um, actual off-season program stuff. So, uh, be out there later this week and give you a recap on that front. Jake, I, I don't know. This is maybe just a dumb question, but what does Graham Rahal do this week now? Probably helps the team. That's a good question. And like, um, what happens to his sponsor? Like, does United Reynolds now get a spot on? Catherine Legg's car? I, I would think United Reynolds probably goes fairly prominently on Jack Harvey's car. Um, Good, because I don't like the look of his car now. 
Wow. There's so many words on the side. Apologies to his sideboard sponsor. There's so many letters. Ready, right? I thought it was like front guild or something. I don't like the look of his car now. Yeah, I, I don't. Do you? you know the? Uh, actually, I didn't mind it because it's it's. Here's the thing. For me personally, the color schemes or the paint schemes of the cars, I am most and almost entirely only interested in the cars looking nothing like the others that are around it. You know, I have a little bit of concern with Dixon and Rossi because their cars, the paint schemes are very similar. The color schemes are very similar. And so, you know, that that's difficult when they're coming at you and you're trying to call the race and you're like... Wait, which one is that? Um, the best-looking cars? I'll tell you right now, the best-looking cars in the field. Graham is actually one of them, but of course he's not in the field. Um, Ferrucci, for sure. What does his look like? I'm trying to think of what his looks like. Oh, he's got the uh, stars, uh, blue and white stars. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's glorified American flag. And the Argentinian um canapino's that is car. cool canapino's car which is the argentinian flag um connor daly's car which is like kind of a, a a deep pink or like a light purple and blue it looks like a box of raisin bran crunch mark you should know you're a cereal fiend force <laughs> good fiend. that's not that that's, that's a bit strong for harvey um the other christian lungard's high v car is cool like the cherry red and Will Power's black and red Verizon car is cool. But I think personally, and this is strictly like probably from the stake of nostalgia, best looking car in the field, Scott McLaughlin's Pennzoil yeah. Yellow Submarine. Hard to argue that one. Hard to argue that one, yep. I think New Garden's Shell is pretty good looking as well. Now, Hunter Ray, is he going to get sponsorship for the 500? He's going to have to now, right? Starting the outside of row six. That's, I didn't. It's an interesting row. That's a lot of experience in that row. Is that the most experienced row? Daily, New Garden, and Hunter Ray? In terms of overall number of starts. Um, Got to be up there, right? Yeah, I would think. Um, although, where's, who's in the row with Elio? A uh, couple young guys. Or I should say youthful experience 500-wise. Grosjean and the Herta. Okay. Uh, yeah, Pagano and Marco in the same row. That's a lot. You know, um, with Malukas. I didn't have the heart to tell Brennan King. I, I went on with Brennan King, who did a nice job on Friday with a Fast Friday special from Jiffy Lube. But he mentioned to me that he, he that he thought he said his favorite paint scheme was Ryan Hunter Ray's, and I'm like, well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> Ryan Hunter Ray would prefer that it doesn't look like that, but that's okay. It is cool looking. I mean, that black car is definitely cool looking. You know, Ryan Hunter Ray's just a really nice guy, man. Like. He hadn't been around. I mean, he was here last year just kind of as a spectator. But he, he qualified the car, and he had his – when they were taking the photos, I thought it was really cool when they take the, the qualifying photos. Ryan Hunter Ray looked over and, and and was like, hang on, hang on, hang on, before they like were moving it along. And he had his, his whole family come up, his kids on the side pod. And I remember I, I said to him, I go, you know, your kids are getting a little bit older. Like, it might be kind of heavy on the car. And he's like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But just a nice dude, you know, was like just happy, just super easygoing and just a class guy, Ryan Hunter Ray. I feel like the Ray Hall Harvey situation is pushing what AJ Foyt Racing and Santino Ferrucci and ben, Benjamin Peterson way down the list. Like to me, Jake, and I get there's a lot of parody, but can you imagine saying to people at the start of the week, 
AJ Foyt Racing will have more cars in the Fast 12 than Penske uh, and Andretti combined. If you combine Penske and Andretti, that's, yeah, one right. car will power. AJ Foyt Racing puts two in the top 12. Well, Penske and it would be the same because Penske and Andretti had one and Penske had one, right? Right. So, I mean, so two and two, yeah. Yeah, you can just slide. Well, I don't think Andretti had anything in the, in the, in the first 12. Kyle Kirkwood, right? Or did they... I, don't, I don't think he was in the top 12. I think he's in row... Um, oh, you're right. No, you're right. Outside of row five. Yeah, you're right. Like, that storyline... And again, we'll have Ferrucci on coming up at nine, but... Did anyone see that coming? No. I mean, that was... I'm telling you, like, the first... Like, Peterson... And, well, Ferrucci, too. Ferrucci yesterday turned a lap in, in practice, and it's like, whoa. And Peterson had done that the day before. It's like, these guys aren't messing around. Like, they, they've, they've, they've found some speed, for sure. And Ferrucci, just, you know, his usual self, he's like, I hate qualifying. I'm like, you hate qualifying, you're going 235, 234. Uh, just absolutely absurd. Uh, Ferrucci, 9 o'clock, Graham Rahal at 940. So two ends of the spectrum there coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Doug Bulls, so he's been with us every single Monday here in the month of May. We'll chat with the president of the Speedway on the other side. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, we, uh, we played that clip, obviously, to open up the show. Hearing it for a second time, the stun in the voice of Davey Hamilton probably tells you the full story. Yeah, right? I, I remember Davey, before the run, was like, I, I just can't see how he's going to find the speed. And, you know, they went out for a couple of laps to cool the car off, to get air into it, air intake to cool off the car. And, you know, was that the difference? And maybe it was. But Jack Harvey in and Graham Rahal out. Quite the Sunday, quite the weekend over at IMS. And obviously we hope the drama continues here six days from now. The president of the Speedway, Doug Bowles, he's joined us all month long here every Monday on Kevin and Quarry. He does it once again. Uh, Doug, that was uh, pretty darn entertaining yesterday, wasn't it? I still can't believe it, honestly, and, and I, that's the first time I've heard the radio call, and that's unreal. Um, yeah, it was. I was sitting in the grandstands with fans, which has kind of been my thing. I love to do during the last uh, qualifying sessions. I've done that for the last several years, and the, the crowd went crazy. And I think everybody was in the same spot where they're like, "There's no way he's gonna he's gonna do this." I mean, he was slow in his first attempt. Either that second attempt, he was slow and then they come in you know with like six minutes to go or whatever it is and the next thing you know they're gonna they're gonna go try and run again and it's like there's no way and those first two laps weren't there and then the third lap everybody was like okay maybe the crowd went crazy not because they didn't want Graham in but because of just the drama and the effort um of Jack they were you know it's just pretty cool to see I think you are someone that has seen Graham Rahal in a lot of different walks of life, whether it's business-wise, um, with you know sponsorship and, and elements. Obviously, his dad owning that team, and then certainly fifteen Indy five hundreds. Um, can you kind of speak to maybe your relationship with, with Graham and how you see fans and, and just what he means for the series and for the five hundred? You know, there's not a lot of drivers that understand what Indianapolis means like like Graham does. He obviously grew up in it. His dad won it. Um, he is as passionate about this race as any other driver, as vocal about this race being the most important race on earth as any other driver. So I know for him, you know, it, it's. I'm sure it's devastating. I'm, I'm uh, in the motorhome lot just on the backside of Graham and, and what I was always been impressed with him. But last night... 
Um, a lot of the team members were gathered behind Graham's bus and Jack's bus, and they were having a little cookout. And, and Graham was was there um, encouraging his guys, laughing with his guys, being the leader that, that he needs to be. And it's pretty shocking. A lot of folks in that situation would have just packed things up and left. And and uh, Graham was in there with, with, uh, with Jack and a lot, lot, lot of guys from the team and just helping them um, celebrate and, and was being the leader that he really is. And that, you know, your true character doesn't show when you're winning. It shows when in those difficult moments. I think that's a sign of what his character really is. You know, Doug, I had said this earlier, and I want your thoughts on it. Doug Bowles, the president of IMS, is our guest on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Graham is a guy that, to your point, he's been around it his whole life. I think there's always naturally the stigma of whenever somebody is driving for their father's team or their father, you know, kind of brings them into a sport of, you know, little Timmy Smith in Little League who's only pitching because his dad's the coach. There's always that that stereotype, if you will. And and I think for a lot of fans, that has made Graham Ray Hall polarizing. I don't personally grasp that because I've, I've seen a, the real side of him, quite frankly. But to me, yesterday may be what absolutely turns him into a ubiquitous fan favorite. I know he has a large fan base, but he also has people that like to pull against him because of the fact for everything I said. And now all of a sudden I feel like he is going to become like a Tony Kanaan type now where all of a sudden next year that place is going to erupt when he qualifies. You agree with that? You know, it very well could be because I do think our fans – uh, embrace folks like that. They embrace the challenge. I think that's why they were excited for Jack, right? They knew that it was such a challenge. And, w- and when when something happens like that, you know, you celebrate for them. And I think you're right. The way that, that Graham is handling this will make people think, you know what, he's he's a pretty solid guy. And when he's here and, and makes the show next year, I think people will will embrace that. So I think I absolutely think that's an, an accurate uh, prediction. Doug Bowles with us, the president of the Motor Speedway. Doug, attendance numbers from the weekend. Uh, it sounds like you were pretty pleased with it. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. The, the, you know, the fans really turned out. You know, obviously the weather helps when we've got good weather and it's easy for people to sit out in, you know, high 70, low 80 degree weather. And, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic a fantastic weekend. It, I couldn't believe the number of kids. You know, last weekend for the GMR Grand Prix, I was impressed with the number of kids, but the number of kids that were here this weekend was just phenomenal, and I just really appreciate, you know, fans bringing their kids out. And the last two weekends have been great weekends to introduce kids to our sport because you're not you're not trying to fight through 325,000 people. Um, and that, that was the thing that, that struck me the most, just seeing the number of kids. Uh, I, yeah, I was one of them. Brought uh, brought both of the little kids out yesterday. Uh, we had a great time out there. Like you said, the weather really good. I know it's early in the week. I don't want to, you know, weather jinx or w- whatever. It looks pretty good. Where are we at from a um, ticket standpoint for Sunday? What do we have left from a grandstand standpoint? <laughs> we don't have very much left. I'll get a good report this morning. But our, I think last week when I talked to you guys, I said this was going to be the largest crowd um, really, in the last 25 years, except for 2016, even bigger than last year, which was just what was the biggest one we've had since 2016, and, and really since before 2000. Um, and our ticket sales day over day, over the past uh, five or six days, have been significantly stronger than they were those same number of days out from the Indy 500 last year. So we are definitely going to be, you know, well under under 10,000 seats in the grandstand, and probably uh, well under 5,000 seats left in the grandstand by the time we get to race day and then when you throw in all those people in the infield it's you know you're st- you're knocking on the 
knocking on that 325 for sure. So, um, you know, unless something happens in the next few days, which it doesn't feel like there there will. I mean, the momentum and energy from the fans is unbelievable. I think it's going to be one of those epic crowds. So, Doug, let's go over this real quick. In terms of people preparing for Sunday, and I know some of this is stuff that we've gone over with you before, but I think it's important to, to readdress it. Um, things that may pop people by surprise just in terms of the – you know the logistics of getting in and out that would be number one and then number two if you have a parking sticker for one of the different lots did i don't know how to ask this so did the speedway for whatever lot it may be only distribute the number of passes of spaces available in other words if you have a whether it be in lot or turn three you know whichever sticker it may be in your window that you have acquired is that guarantee you a spot so to speak well yeah we only distribute what we have so we don't distribute we we're not like an airline where we where we you know right assume some people aren't going to show up so we we distribute what we have i mean that's it's, it's the one thing that you know it's the hardest thing honestly when people say hey can i get a parking pass that's often the hardest thing for us to do because you're just limited in the space that you have and when they're gone they're gone um so yes that's true um you know we did have the problem with what we found out we definitely had the the fake pass out there we have had a lot of folks i uh, call the ticket office we've had a lot of folks come into the ticket office and and bring in the, the passes that actually they picked up in the mail one of the one of the ticketing platforms where those were being sold actually even reached out to those customers that they knew bought from the, the customer who had posted online uh, and let them know that they had purchased a fake pass and helped get their money back and then had them call us. So we've had a pretty busy uh, 10 days with people coming in to make sure they have the right parking pass so they could get in. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we won't have to turn anybody away at the, at the, at the gate to get into the ticket or to get in the parking lot. But uh, that, that's our biggest challenge on parking is still just making sure if you bought a ticket from somewhere other than the speedway that you need to make sure it's a, le- a legitimate parking pass. I think it was a couple of years ago now, Doug, but Zach Kiefer wrote an awesome piece on you on, on what race day is like for yourself and just all the places that you go and, and obviously people that you're seeing, et cetera, et cetera. What's the best place for you on race day? Like, what, where is, okay, I've got to be here for the start or I've got to be here for a restart. Like, where is that best kind of viewing point for yourself? Well, I, you know, it's it's for me. You know, I watched. I actually get to drive one of the Camaros at the front of the grid on at the start, which is which is an amazing, amazing experience to drive around the racetrack and just see it full. Because you just you, there's one day a year you see it like that. So when you go down the backstretch, you come out of turn two, and the spectator mounds are just packed all the way down that five eighths of a mile backstretch. is just stunning for me. And then I pull the car in, um, and and pull in just inside turn one um, behind what's the aero hospitality unit that that, that the team McLaren uh, sets up there and and I'll, I'll watch the start from there and make sure they get through turn one and then if, from that point on I'm pretty much done watching the race I go right I go right back to work um, so that's the, the hard part for me for race days I really don't get a chance to watch a lot of it um, but but that's the one thing for me that I, that I just I look forward to you know, obviously beyond back home again in Indiana, which is the, the one thing I look forward to, uh, is just driving down the backstretch and just seeing those spectator mounds fall. And, you know, the grandstands fall is awesome. But when you go down the backstretch and you just see the number of people who just buy a GA ticket, bring their kids 15 and under in for free, have probably been drinking beer since 6 in the morning. I mean, it is, it is one of the best. Uh, that's one of the highlights of my day, honestly. 
Uh, from an announcement standpoint, I think we got Grand Marshal, I believe, and National Anthem last week. Uh, when are we getting Pace Car and Green Flag? So, I want to say Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. So, we get through today. Today's really about focusing on you know the drivers in this last big practice before we get to Carb Day. Uh, and then we'll get those announcements uh, the next couple days this week. And like I said, I think... Uh, you guys will you guys will like the uh, I think you like the pace car driver and and uh, I'm pretty excited about the green flag uh, the green flag waiver I think we've got two really strong really strong connections with with uh, some f- fun folks for those two positions. The pace car driver, Doug, is it somebody of more local relevance than national? I, I'm not going to tell you that because that 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 would give it away. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, that's what I'm trying to do. He gave us a good I hit. I know no, it is. We, I know we it just is. need to be smarter. I already, I already told you, you guys will like it. So, um, yeah. anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should, it should be really fun. And is it uh, JMV? If it's JMV, you can just tell me. I'll be a little bit offended. But is it JMV? <laughs> It's not JMV. Oh. <laughs> okay. Doug, no. what um last one for me and I if I'm not mistaken, I believe you're like, yeah, I don't even sleep Saturday night. When you get to Friday, maybe post carb day and even like midday Saturday, where is your worry or anxiety level at like just from a okay, I this is my biggest worry for Sunday. This part of the speedway, this part of a concession, parking, traffic, etc. Well, weather's the first one, right? Because you can't control it. So I try not to pay any attention to the weather until we get, you know, until we get really close. With the exception of looking at temperature, because if the temperature, you know, last week it said the temperature was going to be, you know, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight degrees, and if it's going to be that hot, it's it's just a matter of how we just making sure we have enough places, water stations, and cooling stations, and ways to just keep people cool. And, and now that I I've, I've looked, it looks like it's going to be a little, you know, much better actually potentially on the on the temperature. But just weather always worries you. You know, if you're going to be in the path of a thunderstorm or some of those things, how do we how do you manage that? And then I worry about the things you just talked about. I worry about our gates. How are we getting people in, especially with the new open gate system where they go through and, and we can actually um, you know walk through with your coolers and all that. But how's that going to impact uh, impact things going forward? Concessions has been a challenge for us the last few years. It's probably our biggest um, you know our biggest failure point on an, on a consistent basis is just making sure that we're delivering there. And and it's just it's harder to. It's harder to do that than you think. Just getting staff in there and the food and the prep and there's just all kinds of things that go with it for that many people. Second largest city in the state of Indiana um, inside the racetrack. So, so that one, I that one, I definitely worry about in terms of the racing and the on track piece. Uh, you know, those that that's been happening for 106 times before this one. So it, it generally isn't the least thing I worry about, probably. Actually, Doug, one last question, because I think people would find this interesting. I've never asked this, and I'm curious. Um, don't need names specifically, but you, you had mentioned the driver's lot and Graham Rahal being around his competitors and teammates last night. Um, roughly how many uh, of the 33 drivers in the field, how many of them actually spend Saturday night inside the Oval in their buses? I would say thirty of them, probably. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's it's almost it's almost everybody. Um, it's pretty amazing. Last night, uh, you know, like I said, Graham was doing his thing. Um, Jack was there. Um, you know, Ilot was around, and then I I walked in and the, and some of the boys were playing pickleball in the driver lot that um, that they'd set up with tape. And it was and it was playing in the dark, and so I called our facility guys. I said, "Do we have a do we have a spare light tower around to bring over here?" So last night I had guys bring over a light tower, and we lit up the, 
we lit up the uh, west side of the driver owner lot in between like Roger Penske's bus and and a, you know a bunch of the buses and and watch these guys play to play pickleball together until way too late and then uh, you know then Dad had to go over and say hey guys we should turn the lights off let's let's uh, let's let some of the drivers that want to sleep sleep um, but no it's probably thirty of them that's awesome yeah that's great. Doug, good luck this week. I know it's probably a range of emotions for you all week long. Hopefully today, again, weather looks pretty good. Uh, also for Carb Day coming up. And if we don't see you on Carb Day, uh, have an awesome race day. All right, guys. Thanks so much. President, President Speedway right there. Best Doug week of the year, man. Bulls on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, the national anthem singer. Wasn't there a Colts connection with her at one point, right? The anthem singer? Uh-huh. The, what do you mean a Colts connection? Jewel singing the national anthem. I knew that that was announced on Thursday, I think, right? Or Thursday or Friday? Yeah, wasn't she uh, with Clipboard Jesus at one point? Was she really? Charlie so. Whitehurst? I, I believe so, yeah. We looked that up. So, okay, so we got Pace Car Driver. What's your guess on Pace Car Driver? Well, I, I've gone back and forth with Halliburton and McAfee. You think I'm off base with the? You think one or the other? You think I'm off base? I mean, Doug keeps on harping on the like. You guys will. I mean, unless it's like the owner of Mayo. I mean Richardson. I I don't think he's popular enough, or he hasn't really done anything. Yeah, that's fair. Can you imagine if the Colts would have taken Will Levis at four overall, and Will Levis is driving the pace car? Yeah. Just spooning mayonnaise in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. No no thanks. <laughs> Come on. You got a guess? He's rounding turn three. He's rounding turn four. <laughs> McAfee is a really good guess. That's a really good guess. Um, Halliburton. Halliburton. Oladipo did it in 2018, right? I thought I thought Oladipo did. Well, here I've got the list right here. I'll tell you. I thought Oladipo did the GMR Grand Prix. I thought it was the 500. But you may be right, Mark. You got any guesses? I mean, I'm kind of with you with the Halliburton one. Yeah, I think Halliburton, McAfee are the two. I don't think Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson have done it. I mean, no, maybe next year. Right, but it's like you know, Shane, you're not Jeff Saturday. Uh, Anthony Richardson, you're not Matt Ryan. I mean, that, well, we hope that he's not Matt Ryan. Is that the CBS clip that was played during the season? Yeah. Oh, okay, here are the last. So here are the pace car drivers. You ready? Starting with what year do you want me to start? Ken? We have Matt Ryan. Uh, let's go to the last 10. The last 10 would be Guy Fieri, Jim Harbaugh, Dario Franchitti, Jeff Gordon, Roger Penske, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, Oladipo, 2018. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Mark Roos, Danica Patrick, and Sarah Fisher. I... Guy Fieri, Just whipping up tenderloins. How many that. how many turndowns did they get before that? It's Guy Fieri. <laughs> Two thousand four was Morgan Freeman, and I'll Andy never forget. Andy Dufresne was a friend of mine. That's right. In nineteen sixty seven, Andy Dufresne, um, Morgan Freeman did a ceremonial pace car ride, or like a two seater ride. I mean, like when he there weren't a lot of people around. And they had, like, the film crew there and everything else. And he did the two-seater. And he got out, and they handed him a bottle of milk. 
and the poor marketing people from the American Dairy Association were there like to get this moment of Morgan Freeman sipping the thing of milk and he put it up to his lips and immediately spit it out and said, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't think that's exactly what they had in mind. Yeah, there's some good points here from Eric and Brian. McAfee just signed with ESPN. That, that, that could be a factor. Oh, Obviously yeah. Obviously the race on NBC. Yeah, the, the, those are good points. Are we missing anybody? I'd love to hear from some fans there. How about John Cena? At K-Bone 1070, at Jake Quarry. Got the Fast and Furious movie just came out. I mean... Number one at the box office. Did they already do their NBC connection with the Grand Marshal? What, what's her name, Mark? The Encanto uh, Stephanie voice. Beatrice. Yeah, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Encanto. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Oh, I wait feel a minute. Like- Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning voiced the whole marketing campaign, right? Yeah, I just assumed that like Peyton had already done something of that note. Hey, has he ever driven the pace car? He's definitely done the green flag, right? He's done the green flag. He has not driven the pace car. Peyton What's... in the driver's seat, Eli in the passenger seat. Talk about the two-seater. Mm-hmm. Jake, do a Manning cast around wrong. The, do a Manning cast around the track. <laughs> but I feel like pace car driver usually has, which makes sense, has more of a racing feel to it or a local connection, whereas the green flag is a little bit more like we're just going for the big name here i would agree with that although the pace car driver i mean if you look at it of recent do you do you have the green flag list yes the the pace car driver typically we're making the most out of your media guy this morning you like that hang on let me find the green flag waiver maybe they don't have the green flag listers peyton that's gosh i I don't even know why i haven't even thought of peyton Okay, here we have the Back Home Again in Indiana Singers, National Anthem Performers and Singers, and uh, Pace Cars. I don't see the official starter. I know Nicholson, the year he did it, like they couldn't get him back down. Out of, he just like kept staying up there. They're like, you can come down now. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm watching from up here. Yeah. I'll do the first yellow. That's right. He did do the first restart, I think. There was a caution, and so they right, we'll just keep him out there. Uh, I do not see the the like official starter yeah i guess i maybe just like chalked up manning to doing the voiceover of the promo is like that's his may obligation for this year all right that's that's my official guess is peyton you're going peyton yeah that's my official guess i have no i'll go halliburton i have absolutely no intel at all kenny moore doubtful they would go bigger than kenny moore kenny moore i mean he's out there all the time right well yeah Reggie Miller? Reg, Reggie Miller probably can't do it because he's probably doing the NBA yeah. playoffs, right? Why now with Reggie? Yeah, exactly. Shaq will be in the building, right, Sunday? Mm-hmm. Now that would be something. Now, isn't this good news? Because weren't they worried about like the conference finals potentially impacting the amount of time Shaq could spend up here? He's now... Shaq is going to be here as it's Shaq Diesel, right? Yeah, he's DJ in the Snake Pit, right? Snake Pit, correct. So he's got Celtics Heats on TNT. Well, good news. That series would have to go. Game six would be Saturday night. Game seven would be Monday. Are the Celtics really going to win two straight? That performance last night by them was pitiful. The Celtics look completely checked out. Like they look like a team. You know, Joe Mazzulla afterwards basically said, like, I didn't get through to them. Um, I think they might have quit on me. What? 
quit on you. They're, <laughs> they're down two. And like the thing that's amazing about that is that that's a franchise that wasn't necessarily assembled by Brad Stevens, but he's still overseeing everything, and he seems to be like the the Zen guru of getting people to like buy into team concept. I think the one thing before we get to a morning check down, the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause and being like, oh, Boston's going to blow it up. You know, I, everybody blows it up when they have these embarrassing performances in the postseason. Is that you would think Brad Stevens would be a little bit more reserved in that. Or like he could take a step back and say, all right, that was embarrassing, that was ugly, blah, blah, blah. But just because that occurred doesn't mean all of a sudden we say, see you, Jalen Brown. Right. Or something to that right. effect. Uh, let's lead off the morning check down with what's happening not only in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, but also out west. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. What's happening out west is the L.A. Lakers are tenuously holding on to their season. They are down 3 nothing to the Denver Nuggets. Game number four tonight in L.A. That is an 8.30 tip. Is that right? 8.30? 8.30. It's an 8.30 the whole games. time. They're yeah. tipping at 5.30 in the afternoon mm-hmm. in L.A. Hey, It's glorious for us. Go out to drink afterwards. Get a nice <laughs> bite to eat. You're like, hey, it's only 9 o'clock. Let's go see the Hollywood sign. Yeah. You know, there seems to be a pattern with you, Mark. You're driving around town going to seven different LQs. Well, I'm the only one doing work here. <laughs> oh, little kings, you can get it in Indiana. It's all over the place. Sure. Has Jake gone to one liquor store? Probably I, I've not. I've been a little preoccupied. Mark went to three Indians games and seven liquor yeah. stores. What have you done this weekend? Yeah, I believe you also said that, what would you say, that if the... If the if the Celtics lost last night, you would drive to Ohio and get it? I don't think you made that trip I, I haven't had time. When, when oh. have I had time? Hey, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Wide open for you. Yeah. Tomorrow, I've got to do the American Dairy Association fastest rookie, fastest rookie uh, lunches. Wednesday, Thursday. right now. Wednesday and Thursday, I have events. Oh, you say you need a personal day. Huh? I need a personal day. My name is Jake Query. I need a personal day. <laughs> and we are going to do a show, right, a week from Monday? We are. Yep. A week from today, right? Yes. So we did that last year. Recap uh, the race. So we will be on I Memorial sub- Day. I better submit Monday. for the 500 winner now. Seven to ten. Uh, speaking of the 500, Santina Ferrucci at nine, Graham Rahal at nine forty. The big news from yesterday, of course, Graham Rahal bumped by his teammate Jack Harvey. Doug Bulls kind of hit on it there. Well, it was pretty remarkable about that Harvey run. Obviously, the fact that he bumped Graham, but. If you looked at his speeds, it's not like he had this big lap one, which a lot of people were having, and then their speeds kind of slowly decreased from there. He had a strong like lap two to three. Here was Jack Harvey yesterday on becoming the last driver in this year's 500. It's a huge effort by the third car. All the guys who work really hard to make this possible I think it's no secret that it's been a struggle, and even honestly, the first two runs in qualifying weren't awesome, and you know. The hope was that all three of our cars could make it. I hate that it was us who bumped Graham out, but I'm grateful to be in the race. This is such a, a privilege to be able to do this in the first place. And the stress of bump day is absolutely real, but it doesn't change my love for this place. I absolutely love it and just grateful to be here, having another shot to try and uh, compete. Jack Harvey told me at one time years ago after his rookie year that his greatest accomplishment and his biggest thrill in life was being able to run in the Indy 500. So that race means a lot to him as well. It means all those drivers. Uh, it's got to be weird, though, to bump out your teammate, and not only your teammate, but the guy that's the son of your owner. But Jake, I said to um, our audience to lead off the show, I don't think it's that hyperbole to say Jack Harvey potentially was racing for his IndyCar life. Yeah, I think that's. I, I thought about that, Kevin. I thought, gosh, if he gets bumped and he loses his ride, where does he go? I mean, he's the third car on the team that is 
prob of the like somewhat big notable teams, they've been the worst all year. Yeah, they've struggled. And obviously sure. at the 500 yep. as well. Um, so Jack Harvey will round out the field of 33. Again, Santino Ferrucci at 9, Graham Rahal at 940. Jake, two-hour practice today, and I would assume a whole lot of traffic action, right? Yep. Gonna uh, Now you got to put those cars back into race feel, if you will, and make sure your setup's good. Uh, you got carb day to do that as well. Phillies over the Cubs. Major League Baseball yesterday, 2-1. to one. It was the Cardinals over the Dodgers, 10-5. Reds beaten by the Yankees, 4-1. to one. The Baltimore Orioles, better known as Cute Fella, 8-3 over the Blue Jays. And the White Sox over Kansas City, 5-2. Iowa Cubs and the Indianapolis Indians and the good guys win that one, 5-1. to one. Uh, quick little rundown. Fever 0-2 to start the year. I saw uh, Brianna Stewart scored a million points against them yesterday. Saw Brooks that, Kepka, major title number five for Kepka. A lot of people were texting me yesterday, okay, what does this mean for Liv? I think Brooks Kepka cares absolutely zero about trying to carry the Liv fl- fl- flag. This is a guy that is just all about... Show me the money, right? Well, that and just show me when the majors are, and I'll just show up and win, and obviously the money as well. Uh, does that cover everything? I think it does cover everything. Colts OTAs begin this week. Be out there a little bit later in the week, so we'll chat about that. Again, Anthony Richardson, the big 2-1 today. No confirmation yet on if uh, he has tapped the keg of Little King. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not if he's in the state of Indiana. Oh, well. <laughs> Market is 0 for 7, huh? Yeah. From Mark Dighton there. Uh, Santino Frucci, top of the hour. Graham Rahal, 9. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 40, Kevin Inquiry on a beautiful Monday in Indy. I am curious with Jewel, um, and I, I, I ask this not to be snarky at all. I, I, I don't know because I, I mean, I certainly know of Jewel, but I was never like a diehard fan of Jewel. Um, is Jewel still like doing like current music, or is it is Jewel like past? I, I don't know the answer to that. Do yeah, you you're know? asking the wrong guy here, Mark. Don't look at me. I don't know. Yeah, I just remember. I don't know what you have on the car while you're driving around every liquor store in Mary I mean, County. Jewel does pop up every once in a while on Sirius XM or something. For those unfamiliar, why the Jewel re-entry? Uh, she will be the national anthem singer coming up on Sunday at the 500. Um, her local tie. Did Charlie Whitehurst, was he a Colt for six games? Was it even six? Is that how long it was? He did a great job. Were they job. married or just involved? Well, I think involved. Seemed heavily involved. Um, yeah. Whitehurst back during that season where the Colts started a million different quarterbacks. I think that was the Josh Johnson or the uh, Josh Freeman, Ryan Lindley season to close it well, out. You know, so. The golden age is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, in terms of celebrity national anthem singers. I'm used to Kelly Clarkson. I, I, she's Jules as big a name as they've had. I mean, if you look. Jordan Fisher last year, Jimmy Allen in 2021, um, Dr. Elvis Francois and Dr. William Robinson in 2020, and and they were they did a very good job. I think that was like pandemic related. Um, 
Kelly Clarkson, 18 and 19. Josh Kaufman in 2016. Jordan Sparks, 2015. Leanne Rimes, Sandy Patty. Jordan Sparks, unbelievable voice. Uh, Julianne Huff. And then, you know, military folks. Jessica Simpson in 2004. And then Steven Tyler, who can ever forget in 2001. I was a big fan of 2004, Jessica Simpson. <laughs> uh-huh. Very big fan. <laughs> <laughs> By the well, way, I you were was, like 15 at that time, right? I, I was 15. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Well, uh-huh. peak puberty for uh, for Jessica was an attractive lady. There's no doubt about that. Kevin Bowen, um, Nick Lachey, is that right for Jessica Simpson? Yeah, Nick Lachey actually. He you know what? 500 connections, didn't he? When he was here, uh, when when she sang the anthem, he he was here. He might have done like some pace car stuff, but I I was there down there, and he was doing a two seater. And I was in the same grouping as he. I, I did a two-seater that year, and I was in the same group as Nick Lachey. And I, honestly, Kevin, could not have been a cooler, more down-to-earth guy. I mean, he was literally just like a guy you went to high school with. He was super cool. Cincinnati guy? Correct, yep. Mm-hmm. I feel like get him and Herb Street mixed up. I think it was cool when Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson did that show together, and they moved, and... She was like, "Well, what time do the movers get here?" And he's like, "Oh, it's and he had it was like four guys he went to high school with." And she was like, "I thought we hired like a moving company." And he's like, "Why? Why would I do that when I can just get my buddies?" Like he was this totally down to earth dude. You guys want to hang out? Jessica's here. Woo! <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll listen. Uh, stuff. So again, Jewel for the national anthem. We'll see about pace car and green flag. Sounds like according to Doug Bowles, that will be announced potentially one of them tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, right in that range you guys want to go down any more 90s pop star <laughs> factoids no okay um i did uh kevin notice that i, I my apologies because my days do kind of run together i think it was fast friday so i think it was since we were on the air last uh-huh is when the rookie class of the colts less anthony richardson was out at the speedway uh what is the next what is the schedule in terms of colts activities um, and what they have upcoming, if anything. Yeah, things ramp up this week. So for the next three weeks, the Colts will have 10 OTA sessions over those three weeks. And for those unfamiliar with what exactly that means, it is the entire 90-man roster together in the building, and you are able to go out and do 11-on-11 practices. You can't have full pads, but your coaches can be out there. Again, it is technically voluntary. The Colts' attendance is well, well over 80, uh, 90%. And so... This is the closest thing you're going to get to training camp full practice sessions. Um, So I think it's, I want to say it's three OTAs this week, three the next, maybe four the following week. And then that last week of June, usually it's like June 13th. Whatever that Tuesday is. Yeah, June 13th is a Tuesday. That'll be a three-day mandatory mini-camp to close out the off-season program. So 13 practices over the next four weeks. And, you know, I was a little surprised, Jake. We had Joel Erickson on from the Star last week. And Joel, I want to say throughout the number of... I asked Joel, okay, what do you think the percentage of first-team reps Anthony Richardson will take between now and the end of the spring? So him and Gardner Minshew, what would be the percentage there? And Joel threw out 35%. That's... I, I would be a bit surprised if that is that high for the spring. Um, obviously, once you get to training camp, you got a month long of practices. You've got joint practices. You got three preseason games. If you're going to play him or start him week one, you would need that number to quickly climb above fifty percent. And you know you need to give him 
Um, especially by the point of mid-August, you need to be giving him 80-90% of those starting reps. But I, I was a little surprised that Joel had that feeling because Joel is usually definitely not someone that just says stuff just to say it. Um, I, I probably would assume it's a little bit lower than that here in the spring, which I don't think that necessarily means, oh, wait, he's not going to start week one. I just think they want to ease him along. How long a deal did Gardner Minshew sign? Uh, Unier. Does that – does he see this – at? Do you believe that Gardner Minshew sees this as a chance to... Charlie Whitehurst vibes to him. Yeah, like does, does... Has Gardner Minshew accepted the fact that he may now be like the journeyman backup that gets one and two-year deals, you know, for the next eight years to round him out? Or do you think he sees it as, hey, I, I'm going to get an opportunity for some time before the, the torch is passed and I'm going to show to another franchise that I can still be... Their guy. I think if you hooked up the lie detector to him, he would probably say Ryan Fitzpatrick at best for the next eight years. I mean, Six-round pick. I think you have to live in a bit of reality there and that for every Tom Brady, there's also 25... Gardner you know, Minshews? Yeah. yeah, not even at that level. Right. Um, so I think Minshew, if you look at his contract, there was a lot of fluctuation within how much money he'll make. I think it was like... Three to six, three to seven million, and a lot of that is based off playing time incentives. So I don't think the Colts even knew how much they would play him here this rookie year. But um, again, obviously, it's a huge time for Richardson. It is his first action here in the NFL of getting out there with veterans. As far as you know, looking for updates and you know media access to these practices, we just watch one day a week here over the next three weeks. So. You know, it's quite possible. We do get to watch the entire three-day minicamp. It's quite possible if you're the Colts, and I hope they don't do this, but it's possible. If you're giving Anthony Richardson reps with the starting offense over the next few weeks, but he's splitting some with Gardner Minshew, when the media is out there for that one day a week, that could just be the Minshew day. Now, do you know what a Minshew is? No. I've been called twice in my life. Two occasions. M-I-N-C-H? Uh, I believe it's M-E-N-S-C-H, perhaps. Twice in my life I've been called a mensch. And the first time I wasn't sure. The second time I was very flattered because then I looked it up. Mark, what do we do on this program? We educate and entertain. Thank you. Would you like to look up what a mensch is? I already is? know what it is. Person of integrity. How'd you know that? Because I'm smart. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sometimes. Not always. People have called you that? Have they listened to the pop quiz before? <laughs> It's usually no. Jake talking to himself in the mirror. You're a mensch. You know that? You're a mensch. <laughs> He's got boo now saying that. A yeah. person of integrity and honor. I believe it's... Uh, I think it's a Yiddish term. Is it not? I, I know it's very, so, yeah. it's very... Mm-hmm. It's very commonly used amongst the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. Jake, your favorite row. My favorite row is two. Santino Ferrucci, Pato Ward, Scott Dixon. I just think... The variety of styles, personalities, experience. Dixon and Pato getting into it a couple races ago. Ferrucci's not used to starting in the fourth spot. 23-19, 23-15. That's where Ferrucci started. He's going to join us here in about 15 minutes, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. Uh, you got a favorite row here? Um, Boy, row three. I mean... You got Rossi on the inside, who I think may win the race. Sato in the middle and Kanan on the outside. I mean, that is stout. And Kanan, let me tell you, 
that car's fast. And Kanan likes that outside, but Rossi does too. I, you know, and then Sato's the wild card. You don't know where Sato's going to go. Those three have had um, quite the history at this place with restarts, haven't they? Yeah, I mean that that's a. You know, th- then there are other. Honestly, Jake, my eyes are more glued on two and three for the start of this race than one. Yeah, no, that's fair. And one's three dudes that have never won it. I'm going to make this prediction to you. I'm going to predict that Renus VK leads the first or second lap he, of the race. He led the first lap last year, right? Didn't Dixon say, go on out there, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, it was Herda, VK, and Dixon last year, right? Or was that two years ago? I thought it was Dixon. Was it Dixon Pelot VK last year? That that may be right. It was two years ago. It was Dixon, yeah. Herda, and VK, and VK jumped to the inside. Um, row six is intriguing because Connor Daly, I think, is going to feel like he's got more speed than what he was able to show in qualifying. And then you got Newgarden and Hunter Ray. Hunter Ray's one that I could see Hunter Ray being like, "All right, you guys go ahead and go. I'll catch up to you later," and just being a little more conservative. Um, and then I, again, not to. Row seven, Grosjean's kind of a curveball, you know, starting a little bit further back. Elio just outside of him. I think something to watch in five, six, and seven, those rows. Again, these cars did not qualify for the fast 12. The middle of five, the middle of six, the middle of seven. Scott McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden, Elio Castroneves. Um, for different reasons. You know, Penske, 5 and 6 right there with McLaughlin Newgarden. You know, Elio last year started 27th, finished 7th. This year he starts 20th. If he makes up 20 spots this year, he'll win the race. How about this? If you're in row 10 and you've got relative inexperience there, Callum Eilat in his second race, R.C. Enerson, a rookie, Catherine Legg hadn't been there in 10 years, and they're just behind a row with Stefan Wilson, Devlin DeFrancesco, and Augustin Canapino. I, does, that, does that make you sweat a little? Yeah, it, let me tell you. If I'm in row 11 with Lungard and Jack Harvey, who are teammates, and they've got the rookie Stingray Rob between them, I honestly think my strategy is to fall back. Fall back and let 9 and 10 figure out what the hell they're doing for the first couple of laps and then start making your move. So you don't look at that as that's an opportunity of they don't know what the start's all about. That's your chance to jump. I know it's risk reward. No, I, I think I think there's so much when you're back there in like ten and eleven. There's already so much turbulence and dirty air and and dust and dirt. I've I've always felt like you may be better to just hang back. But. Steve says this, going back to the Gardner Minshew thing. If the Colts and Minshew are smart, they'll keep him around for the length of Richardson's rookie deal. Gives them a quality backup, job security, and probably $20 million in his bank account over that time period. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think Gardner Minshew is a really nice yeah. uh, backup bridge QB, however you want to slot him. So, I would agree on that. Now, again, if you're in the Minshew camp, you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, let's hope Richardson doesn't show much here in the offseason, and Gardner starts... You know, X amount of the year and shows shows out, and all of a sudden he joins. You know, whatever Washington or you know some other kind of just like middling team that has quarterback competition seemingly every off season. All right, Santana Ferrucci joins us in fifteen. Graham Rahal at nine forty. Is Jake worn out after all those live reads, Mark? Just took a leave of absence. See ya. See ya. Hey, he's back. I wasn't sure if you were just. 
if you needed guys, an IV over there, I, the I would, back of the bench, the oxygen mask. I would hope, if nothing, that you guys would never question my dedication to making sure that I'm here with you every morning from seven until ten without impediment. Besides I, that one time at the combine, yeah, or that time you overslept. Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah. the time. <laughs> you remember that time I overslept? Mark? Yeah, awesome. it was like six fifty-eight. I'm like, I should probably call Jake. <laughs> Maybe I talking still to Sean love Copeland to know for a long time. If Mark didn't call you. What time you would have walked in? That's a great question because because it stopped. It, it, you know, you said I woke you up. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I use a so my phone. I use a sound machine of white noise, and it's fascinating because well, it woke you up too. Some white noise when I called. Well, when you, when you called, it stops the sound machine, and the stop of the sound machine is what woke me up. So it wasn't sound; it was total silence that woke me up. So I woke. I looked at the phone. I'm like, "What? Whoa, whoa, it's like six. What? What's going on?" And I do you remember what you said to me? It finally happened. Yeah, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Kevin, um, you have not done so yet, right? I have not. No. Mark, no. have you? Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happened one time. Oh yeah, that was. It was when uh, Addie. Was- Addie was our only child at the time, and we were still living in our apartment. So I would go to bed. And I think she she must have crawled in or something and unplugged my phone and my phone died, and I just remember I woke up because yeah, Ashley's like, "Wake up, wake up, you're late for work." I'm like, "What?" And it was the sun was. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> the sun being up would be and such the, a my my phone was flashing red <laughs> and I was Scotty like, "What the hell time is it?" The show, I yeah, and it was like seven twenty, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And like I stormed in here. You know. The thing that is the craziest about doing what we do, and I get it. I mean, it's not like we're getting up that much earlier than the average working person. I get it. Except for that, there is no wake-up time. I mean, we have to be up and awake and alert and on at 7 a.m. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but to me, the thing that's been the most fascinating in, in adjusting my body to that is the unpredictability of when you feel great and when all of a sudden just certain days you're just like man i just cannot wake up so some days i wake up and i'm like man i'm good to go yeah other days it's just like oh my gosh when am i ever going to be able to sleep again it's kind of odd uh better chance the uh lakers or the celtics wake up here or the Lakers they, are don't, they both in hibernation uh, the say the celtics to me feel like they've mailed it in the lakers feel like they're still trying to like figure it out it is wild to think that like the miami heat were like on the oh, verge of were, not even making the playoffs. They were Jack Harvey, right? Yeah. I mean, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Bulls have a lead on them yeah. late uh-huh. in that game? Yep. I mean, they were in the second play-in game. They lost the first play-in game to the Hawks. Mm-hmm. They played that second play-in game. Their season was on the line. And they, they win that high. game, and they've won. You know, they, they've done a great job, and obviously Jimmy Butler spearheads it all, but they, they've just sent that message with the road wins in game one. And all of a sudden, that, I think, just totally flips the pressure of a series. And obviously, Grant Williams poked the bear the other night. You know, that was Friday night. They were up well, They were up nine, right, when Grant Williams gets in the face of Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I mean, what are you doing there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, did you see, by the way, and we haven't really talked about this. It's kind of a passe story now, but... Are you checking to make sure you have your credential? I'm putting my credential in my bag to make sure I don't lose it. Um... Probably should have done that during the combine. How about the Memphis Grizzlies like three weeks ago saying like as soon as their season was over, they're like, yep, Dylan Brooks, we're going to move on from. Yeah, that was that was awesome in all seriousness. I, I thought that was great. I mean, that... 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I, I forget the exact wording in the Adrian Wojnarowski tweet, but it was... It was aggressive. It basically was, um, he was a jackass and we know it, so we're done. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, Santino Ferrucci starting in the fourth spot for the Indianapolis 500. One of our all-time favorite guests. He joins us next. It is 9 o'clock on a Monday in Indianapolis. It's 9 o'clock technically everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jay Quarry. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton with me as well this morning here on Kevin and Quarry 93.5-1075. Our next guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline is one of the great stories in qualifying for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. In his previous four starts, he has made up 53 spots throughout the course of his racing in the Indianapolis 500. He won't have to make up that much this year because he starts in position number four in the middle of, or excuse me, the inside of row number two, his A.J. Foyt, Delara Chevy, 233.798 miles an hour for Santino Ferrucci. And Santino, first off, thanks for the time, man, and congratulations on one heck of a weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on. And to yeah, it's definitely been uh, a solid couple of days in our homes for troops Chevrolet. Santino, I saw a quote. I forget if it was Saturday or Sunday, but you had a comment that you said that you hated qualifying. You've always hated qualifying. How in the world does a man that hates qualifying end up in the inside of row two at the fastest 500 ever? Uh, still not a fan of qualifying. It's just when you have a car on nice edge like that for as long as we did, having to keep doing it, it's just, man, it's nerve wracking. I just knew, I just know we always have a great race car coming here. And, um, yeah, honestly, it was, it, it was definitely the nicest qualifying car that I've had to drive. Um, especially at 234 miles an hour. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's when you got speed, man, you just, you have speed. At what point did you know, Santino, because a lot of people, you know, this is a team in A.J. Foyt Racing that, that quite frankly, you know, has struggled over the last couple of years, but then all of a sudden between both yourself and your teammate, Benjamin Peterson, you obviously, you guys had fast cars. When did you know, hey, you know what, we might have something here that people don't realize we've got up our sleeve? Right in our first session on Wednesday. I mean, we went out, we did our first run, and I was just like, okay, this thing moves. So uh, instantly I kind of knew that we had something uh, unique and special. And I think, you know, for Benjamin, it was more of an aha moment, maybe Thursday. Uh, But, uh, dude, when we we did our first run uh, to start off the month here, it it was good. Again, Santino Ferrucci is with us. He's going to start on the inside of row two coming up 
on Sunday. Santino, we've had you on before after 500s, and how you've maneuvered your way through the field is rather incredible and well-documented. What, or I guess, are you curious how that might change now that you're starting at the front? I, I guess... You know, you're used to, you know, row six, seven, eight, you know, things like that. Now you're row two. What, if any, do you think will be different about the first, you know, X amount of laps outside of, obviously, you have less cars in front of you? I won't be taking the green and turn four for once, which will be nice. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's always fun. I think last year, last year I started 15th and we got into the top 10 within the first opening laps. And uh, we kind of rode around six for most of the race. And, you know, it's just different when you're running up front all day. It's, you know, the pressure is always there. You know, you're always, you know, the speeds are higher. So starting, you know, starting on the inside of that second row, you know, I'm already in a position that I wanted to, that you'd want to be in with about, you know, 30, 40 laps left. So you just have to run a flawless day. And you have to have five perfect stops. You can't make any mistakes in pit lane. And uh, you can't get unlucky now with with yellows and cautions. You know, Santino, one of the things that's interesting to me, because there's two schools of thought here. You're starting in a row with Pata Award and Scott Dixon beside you. You're starting just behind Palo, VK, and Rosenquist. The old saying is, you know, you can't win the race in the first turn, but you can certainly lose it there. But you're a race car driver at heart. You want to untame it and just go, right? Do you have conversation with or do you anticipate having conversation with Pato and Scott about the start or even with Alex Renus and Felix as well about like where you might go and how you guys kind of play it? No, we're racers. I mean, you're going to want to lead this thing going in turn one. I mean, <laughs> there we I go. <laughs> I know I know this first lap. I know those guys. We've all been running the 500 for the same amount of years, except for Dixon. Um, I kind of know what Dixon's going to do. And, uh, you know, having watched Pato and, uh, before at the 500, you know, I kind of have a feeling what, you know, everyone's going to kind of do to shuffle into lanes. Um, I know that Dixon's probably going to drop drop in to the inside. I probably have an idea of Ward's going to take the outside. I'm already on the inside, so I'm just probably going to have the uh, the chance to just stay there, to be honest with you. So do you tuck right in behind Polo then and just go as he goes? Or you know, how much do you have to worry about where VK and Rosenquist are sliding in as well? I think, you know, that's a hard one because knowing VK, he likes the weed. So it'd be very interesting to see what he does with Palou. And me and Felix have a huge respect for each other, so I'm sure that we'll just figure it out once we're out there to slot in, uh, either behind or in front of one another, and just kind of ride. You know, I think, uh, you know, the first 150 laps of this race, you're just riding. There's really no, when you're up front like that with a bunch of young guys, you know, I think all of us, as much as we want to race, I think we're all smart enough to know that we want to race at the end. So I think we're all just going to sit there and ride along for a little while. I love it though, man. Like the green, the green falls and you're like the hell with it. Let's go. Right. That's what's going to happen. That's what, that's what I think I'm pretty sure is going to happen. The one and only thing laps. Santino Ferrucci is with us again in that home for our troops car. I do want to hit on that here in just a second, but I want to go back to qualifying 
Santino. And again, my experience on this oval is as a two-seater with Mario a handful of years ago when I thought my head was going to fall off and two laps and I was like, I am absolutely done. I cannot imagine actually driving the car, driving it at whatever miles per hour much faster than I was just doing and doing it with 33 cars or 32 other cars around me. So when you are qualifying, are you literally on the edge where you are thinking to yourself, if I have one little bobble, this thing is in the wall? Honestly, it's kind of how we felt in the Fast 12 qualifying. I mean, we kind of nailed everything perfectly, and that's why the speed was where it was, and we were as fast as we were. The last the last qualifying, um, you know, we were definitely a little bit more winged up, definitely more on the conservative side on the shootout for pole. But that's, that's what I wanted to do, you know. I, it's one of those things to where, look, I've now done you know, how many times do you want to push your luck is how, is how you're looking at it. You're, you're trimming out a, a car that honestly really doesn't like you <laughs> at 234, 235 miles an hour, and it wants nothing to do with, you know, going that fast. And it's just how many times you want to take that risk. And uh, after doing it, you know, yesterday or after doing it Saturday to get into the fast 12 doing it in practice doing it to get into the fast six I had about enough of that car trying to kill me so <laughs> I, I was ready to just take I was try, we were trying just for the we, you know we want the pole um we were trying for the front row I'm gonna take fourth I mean I'm, I'm just happy that it's over he sounds like it's like a cruise at 230-some miles per hour yeah. there once you're into the Fast I mean, Six. Uh, yeah, never cruise around <laughs> you, you can't – it's like it's uh, it's like taming a line. You can't take your foot off its throat. There's, 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 no, there's no chance to take a breath. There's no chance to do anything because the second you relax, it's when it'll bite you. Santino, Jake and I were talking earlier about the best paint schemes in this year's race. I put yours atop the list. Can you let our listeners know a little bit about um, Home for Our Troops? Yeah, so, uh, well, first of all, the car, if you basically take the American flag and lay it down, that's what our car looks like. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Uh, Homes for Our Troops is a fantastic charity. More than 90 cents to every dollar goes into the charity organization. They build custom homes for wounded veterans and, you know, veterans with disabilities that, you know, can't have normal, you know, it's tough to build custom homes for, and it's very expensive to build custom homes for because, you know, some of them have very unique disabilities. Um, not only that, they it they pay all the monthlies, they take care of all the expenses, all of their things to get them into the house. You know, they do so much for our veterans, and the coolest thing that we're doing this month in particular is that if you donate, ABC's matching your donation. So, you know, I'm pretty sure we're almost up to a million dollars at this point, and ABC is matching that to give back into the Homes for Troops uh, organization. So that's ABC Supply, which has also been really a great sponsor and, and dedicated and loyal one to AJ Foyt Racing. Santino Ferrucci joins us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Santino, you have driven for Dale Coyne. You've driven for Bobby Rahal and, and David Letterman. You've driven for Dryer Reinbold, now with A.J. Foyt. What is your relationship with A.J. Foyt? Because the reputation is that while a great driver and a totally awesome personality, uh, that Foyt can be pretty cantankerous at times. <laughs> it's, it's very, I want to say it's very cool because we are fast. And he has a huge appreciation for the fact that we're wheeling these cars around as fast as we are, especially for my teammate, uh, Benjamin, because he's a rookie. So for what we're doing, I think, you know, he's smiling every day. He's in the he's in the garage every day 
looking at this car, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, he's got a great understanding of exactly what we're doing. And it's, you know, we, we get to hear all the stories. So, you know, we're, he's telling stories about his wins uh, in the 60s. He's He was talking about how uh, he, he finished second and third uh, in his years that he was almost unstoppable in the mid-70s, you know, and just listening to him and all of these things. And, you know, he's got a pretty impressive record around this place, to say the least. The fact that he's done it in both the front engine, rear engine car, and on bricks is just ridiculous. Santino, as you look ahead to today, again, a two-hour practice coming up starting at 1, and then Carb Day, of course, to round out the week. Uh, do you have a feel or, or a hunch on how passing will be coming up on Sunday from a racing standpoint? I think it's going to be the best it's ever been. Um, you know, the series has done a fantastic job of adding in new components and making the cars a little bit more adjustable for the drivers uh, in the past few years. And I think it's getting to the point to where it, it, it's closer to pack racing without having the pack racing. Um, the only thing I wish we did is I wish we raced on the same qualifying power we had. So, uh, you know, they do, uh, we do qualify at like 750 horse. <laughs> so I don't know if those cars, I don't know uh, what that does for 500 miles. If we were to run at that kind of, that kind of power around this place at 230 plus, but, uh, you know, our downforce levels are good. I've been able to pass, uh, especially in traffic, which is rare. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping we have a very eventful 500. Are there any drivers? Well, I know there are, I'm assuming. So, so tell me one, tell me the driver that if you, if your spotter tells you they are on either side of you, that you just think to yourself, I, I'd rather stay clear of this just because I don't know that driver's tendencies or I don't know which way they're going to go, so it's better that I just create separation here. Who comes to uh, mind? Oh, well, I got a few people that come to mind. I'm not going to name names, but we'll be lapping them. <laughs> <laughs> You'll so. be lapping them because they're at the back of the field already or because that's just what you want to do? That's really what I want to do. I think everybody that I'm racing with up front uh, you know, I have a huge respect for, and I think we all have a huge respect for each other. And most of these people, most of them, I don't want to say that we're predictable. We're more predictable than the drivers on 465 outside of Indy, but um, <laughs> we're about just as crazy, if not more. Now, with that, you you mentioned this earlier, but I want to go back to it because I think it's interesting. You know, when, when I'm calling the race, Santino, or when, when people are watching the race, it is always exhilarating when we see a pass for the lead on lap 70, lap 90. And then afterwards, sometimes I have to go back and remind myself that oftentimes a guy running in front in lap 70 or 90 may want somebody else to take the lead for a little bit just to kind of let you conserve some fuel or learn some things about the car. Maybe the, the you know getting a draft as opposed to dirty air is, is a better situation, etc. At what lap, at what lap or in what stint of the race is it go time? When do you go from, as you had said, kind of just keeping it clean and staying up front to, all right, the 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 knives are out and let's go? I think the last two stints is when you're really starting to pay attention. It's kind of strange because you want to lead this race because uh, it's cool to lead this race. It's obviously something that I don't have a lot of experience in doing, so I would probably like to get out front at one point today and lead a, lead a few laps just to just to do it. 
just because I think it's fun. You only need to lead one lap in this race, though, and everybody, you know, and I, I, everybody needs to know that you you need to lead the last one out of turn four. Okay, so I'm going to give you in conclusion here, Santino, to help you wake up to get ready for practice here, and I appreciate you waking up early this morning with us. A uh, little bit of trivia for you out of the media guide. You ready? Go for it. Can you tell me within $100,000 your total Indianapolis 500 earnings in your career? Uh, 1,067,000 something something something. Wow. <laughs> 1,027,209. Very well done. Okay, second. Oh, price is right. You, you have led 3 of your 4 Indianapolis 500s in which you participated. Can you tell me how many total laps you have led? Probably three or four. Four is correct. All right, lastly, the record used to be for a winner, two laps led in a winning effort was the fewest laps led by a winner. That was Joe Dawson in 1912 until what driver broke that record by leading only the last main straightaway in a win? Oh, my God. Don't tell me it's Dan Weldon. That is correct. It is, in fact, Dan Weldon. Look at you, man. God, Santino Ferrucci. <laughs> Look at Unbelievable. All right, can you tell me? I'm on the ball. Can you, tell me the, can you tell me the four years that A.J. Foyt won the 500? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 61. 62. Ooh, close. Close. No, 60, is it 63? Closer. Okay. Parnelli was 63. Okay, I know the other one's 67 and 77. Yes. 64 was the one you're missing, but pretty darn well done. Santino, Santino, last, last one, and we thank you for your time here as you're getting ready for practice. We had Felix Rosenquist on last week, and I threw a question to Felix saying, all right, you've got a car that needs to keep two cars behind them over a 10-lap span to win the race. So, you know, a car's in first, a couple cars right behind you, but they've got to hold that lead. And I asked him to give me a driver he would want in that car leading the race to kind of, I guess, play defense and, and, and win the race. He said you. Does that surprise you at all? We go back a long time. If he want. <laughs> So he'd be leading and I'd be on defense? No, no, no. I think you would be. You would be leading. I'd be leading? Yeah. He'd want me to be leading? He would want – I said that he couldn't pick himself and he couldn't pick one of his teammates, and he picked you. Huh. I would uh, – I, I think that's very flattering from him. I mean, I've grown up racing with Felix for a long time in Europe. He's the one person I'd like to not have to restart behind because he's freaking damn good at it. Um – but uh, yeah, I think it'd be very interesting. He's a pretty good dude, though, isn't he, defense. Rosenquist? Yeah, yeah, he's one of he's one of the few people I really get along with well. So, like I said, <laughs> there's there's a lot of respect there between the two of us. <laughs> now, hold um, on, he's one of the few people you get along with well. Does that mean that yeah. you don't generally like other people, or other people generally don't like you? Take the ladder. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think there's a huge respect, and we both know that, but we both know last lap of this race, it's, you know, all that goes out the window to win this thing. And at the end of the day, I don't, you know, one person does come out on top, and we know that, but it's not something we'd hate each other over. 
Gosh, I absolutely love the mentality of Santino Ferrucci. <laughs> One week from today, we'll have the winner on of the Indianapolis 500. It's quite possible it's the guy we're talking to right now. Santino, good luck today. Good luck Friday. Most importantly, though, Sunday. Uh, the car is unbelievable. You've had a hell of a month so far. We always enjoy our conversations. And uh, stay safe out there, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me on. Santino Ferrucci, one of a kind, Jake. The best. There's a reason he's a show favorite, right? One of a kind. Yeah, I think people just don't like me. <laughs> okay. You know, it's great because his personality matches how the car looks. It matches the speed of it. Uh, his comments yesterday after the Fast 12 run, I mean, it was just hilarious listening to him describe qualifying and, yeah, how pretty much this thing is on, you know, skates out there, and yet here he is, the inside of row four. Or, excuse me, the inside of row two, yeah, starting man. fourth overall. Well, like I said, I mean, I'm going to be very curious. Oftentimes, when they come into my view in three, once the green flag falls and they're coming up the backstretch, typically the, the car that I first see, by the time I'm handing them to Chris Denary, that car is no longer in the lead. Because typically, if there's a pass on the first lap, it happens just below me in three. And I'm going to be curious to see where Ferrucci is, man, because I don't think he's going to be messing around. Um, I think Santana Ferrucci will have a lap led by lap five or six. Uh, That's very fair. VK is the other guy that I think is going to want to go for it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ferrucci try to slide in underneath wherever VK is. You know, I think in years past, Jake, it's been more of, boy, he's a fun personality. You know, he's able to move his way through the field. But, you know, you just read off all the teams he's been on. It's not like he's been on a full, you know, season. All of a sudden, we're sitting here six days for the 500, and he's a legit contender. Oh, yeah. Now, patience over 500 miles, sure. But he is a legit, legit contender to win it all. Uh, the other side of the spectrum, because yesterday had the highs of an Alex Plow in the pole or Santino Ferrucci starting inside of row two. The other side of it, Graham Rahal. He's going to join us here in about 20 minutes. So this is an interview we had planned before. Um, everything transpired yesterday, but Graham is going to join us here coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, on the brink of elimination tonight, it is the L.A. Lakers. They could be swept on their home floor by the Denver Nuggets. And then the next night, it could be the same thing for the Boston Celtics, albeit that will be on the road. Yesterday, the Heat beat the Celtics 128-102. Three undrafted free agents were their leading scorers in Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, and Duncan Robinson. Uh, absolutely incredible what the Heat continue to do. They are up 3-0. The Lakers are favored tonight by 3.5. Does it go back to Denver for a game five? Yes. I think the Lakers do want to get one. I, unlike the Celtics, who look totally mailed in. Celtics look like they are defeated. Lakers look like they want to try to get it going. Um, obviously, Denver's going to advance, I would think. But I'll say Lakers get one of them. By the way, Duncan Robinson, uh, Gabe Vincent... And who was the other one you said? Uh, Caleb Martin. 
You name the colleges for those guys? We had to look this up yesterday. Yeah, Michigan for Robinson. Yeah, he started D3 and then transferred to Michigan. Caleb Martin was a Nevada transfer, right? Uh, that's right. Played for Musselman there. Boy, Vincent, for some reason, I'm popping in my head like UC something or other. I, I, think, I think it's UC Santa Barbara. Yeah, right? I was going to say Santa Barbara or UC Davis. I, I mean... Really? And they're like the leading scorers in... I mean, how many games finals. have the Pacers played in their franchise history where an undrafted free agent has been their leading scorer? Just in <laughs> one game. I know, let alone three of them, right? Three of them in a game three of an Eastern Conference final. Uh, Major League Baseball over the weekend. The Reds stink. Yankees swept um My A's didn't even score a run. <laughs> Cubs lost two or three, Mark. Yeah, it wasn't great. Not so hard. your A's have 10 wins, right? 10 wins, and it's approaching Memorial Day. <laughs> Who? I'm curious. What team has the second fewest number of wins in Major League Baseball? Is it the Royals? And if so, how many? Uh, let's find out. I'm looking right oh, here. This is good. Yeah, some, go ahead, guys. Some yeah. ad is popping up here on... Uh, uh, scroll to continue. What, what am I doing here? Okay. This is great radio when all of a sudden something happens. Yeah, it's, ad the, it's pops the Royals at 14 and 34. I, I mean, that is. All right, brutal. I mean, that's just a, that's a series and a half away from catching up. Our race for the PBR, cute fella, 31 and 16. That'd be my team. Mark has the Arizona Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. 27 and 20. Four and a half game lead for cute fella in my race for PBR. The two-team race, that's for let's, sure. <laughs> let's go. Oakland, yeah. Oak, they should be the Oakland Fs. I should actually. get a repick, I think, at this point here. Uh, Fever start the season 0-2, and Brooks Kepka is your PGA champion. Darn impressive by Kepka. He t- continues to be just a different animal outside of the final round of the Masters in major championships. I think we'd be remiss to mention it happened like after our show is on a Friday, but Jim Brown passing away at the age of 87 Yes. Pretty legendary and iconic figure. In yeah, football. thank you for that, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that was right after our show mm-hmm. um, ended on that one. I know we could probably get into this later in the week. Jim Mercer had a tweet about that and some other all-time greats that I know spurred a little bit of conversation here over the weekend. Uh, again, Graham Rahal in 15th. So we'll do a pretty quick pop quiz coming up on the other side. 317-239-1070 for the pop quiz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Uh, we would like to have as much time with Graham Rahal as possible, understandably so, so we'll probably do a fairly quick pop quiz. Mark, uh, we have callers lined up. We have full phones. Kevin? I'm going to go number four for Santino Ferrucci's starting spot. All right. Michael. Michael, what's up? Hey, Jake. Kevin, good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing, Doing well, well, Michael. How are you? Hanging in there. All right, Michael. You ready for the pop quiz? Yes, sir. Here we go. Question number one for you, Michael. The 107th running of the Indy 500, of course, is Sunday. Nine former winners are in the field with Elio Castroneves going for his fifth win. Aside from Elio, there's only one other driver in the field who has won more than one Indianapolis 500. Would it be Scott Dixon, Takuma Sato, Ryan Hunter-Ray, or Tony Kanaan? Takuma Sato. 
Boy, every third year on that one could be Kumasato's time again. Uh, okay, Alex Pillow, Michael, he's going to start from the pole on Sunday. It's the third uh, 500 pole in a row for Chip Ganassi Racing and the eighth overall for the team. Name the last driver, not named Alex Pillow or Scott Dixon, to win the Indy 500 pole for Ganassi Racing. A, Tony Ganon. B, Ari Leindyke. C, Bruno Giancara. Or D, Alex Tagliani. I will have to say Alex Tagliani. No, can I take my agent? Take that back. Bruno Giancara. Whoa. 2001. Okay. Did you Google that? Michael. All right, no. Michael. All right. Question I'm three. I'm watching you. 74 Indianapolis 500 winners have represented the United States. The United Kingdom and Brazil account for eight winners each. Which of the following countries has never had a driver win the Indianapolis 500? We're going by birthplace here, by the way. The Netherlands or nationality. We're going by nationality, sorry. Although, in this case, it's the same. Uh, the Netherlands, Italy, Colombia, or Spain, which has never had a winner in the Indianapolis Whoa. 500. The Netherlands, Italy, Colombia, or Spain. Spain. Okay. Okay, number four here. The Heat moved to 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, with, uh, excuse me, while the Nuggets will look to complete a sweep of the Lakers tonight in the West. When is the last time both teams reached the NBA Finals riding a series sweep? Is it A, 1970, B, 1962, C, 1957, or D, it has never happened? I'm going with D. Huh? Right. David. Got it. Gotcha. Last question for you, Michael. Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship over the weekend. He finished second in the Masters last month, just the fourth time in the past 80 years that the runner-up in the first major of a calendar year would go on to win the second major. Who was the last golfer to accomplish such a feat? A, Kepka himself, B, Tiger Woods, C, Jordan Spieth, or D, Gary Player? I would have to go with um, Jordan Spieth. Brooks Kepka finished second to Tiger. Pretty solid. 19 there. Okay, uh, Takuma Sato was right. That is correct. 2017-2020 there. Um, he did a nice job there, correcting the Alex Tagliani yeah. guess. Bruno Giancara in 2002. Uh, Jake, number three, though, right? Um, he did not say Spain, or did he? He did he say Spain. Spain. Yeah! Four was the one he missed. The Netherlands had already lined. Like Italy had Ralph De Palma. Mario Andretti was an American citizen by the time he won it, by the way. Uh, but he was born in Italy. Juan Pablo Montoya for Colombia. Um, you blew it! Four was 1957. That's where he And Kepka, as we mentioned. Yeah, Kepka, the runner-up to Tiger in 2019 at the Masters, and then came back and won it. All right, on the other side, Graham Rahal going to join us uh, after getting bumped yesterday. We'll round out the show here with Graham. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Can you imagine yesterday, Kevin, the, the feeling for Graham Rahal? He's sitting in his car and he knows when Harvey goes out and... The final gun goes off while Harvey's in the middle of a run, so he knows there's nothing he can do. You're sitting there and you're thinking, because I would imagine that even though you knew it was a possibility that you weren't going to get in, you have to, in the back of your mind, be thinking to yourself, it's not really going to happen, though. 
You know, like yeah. in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking like, surely something's going to come through here. Yeah, I was thinking no shot for I guess two reasons. One, just the fact that Harvey had to go back out there so quickly, and you know they talk about you know the heating of the engines and the inability to cool them down. By the way, it almost seems like if you're going to do that, don't you just bring out like all the fans possible? And everybody has access to them to cool them down. I know it's not necessarily a discussion for here and now, but if you do want as much activity as possible in that one hour time frame that, that you're given the uh, the last chance, guys. The other thing that I would think if I were Graham Rahal, I would have felt pretty confident about is Jack Harvey's lap one and lap two was not something that was very like, wow, or I know. It was the lap three, which I mean, again, Jake, you saw over 100 qualifying attempts on Saturday and Sunday. How many people, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Harvey's time in lap three was faster than two, right? How how many of the over 100 qualifying attempts had a better lap three than lap two? Very few. I I saw, oh boy, very few. If I, I think maybe I saw one or two. Yeah, I was going to guess, and it might have even been like on simulated runs, not not like official runs rare for certain so i think basically it took until that third lap for graham rahal and we'll, we'll obviously ask him for graham rahal to be like oh bleep and i i don't know maybe maybe he's he obviously could hear the crowd noise i would think and and and, and all that i mean you know just sitting there and just knowing and, and you know you didn't know either until the last lap as he went across the line whether or not he had enough talking of Jack Harvey and then you know all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh you know there it goes and and you know what can you do at that point um and listen i thought yesterday and i'll probably go over this with him in just a few minutes here, I, I thought Graham Rahal yesterday cemented himself probably to a lot of fans, and that doesn't do him any good right now. I realize he joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, Graham, I thought a lot about this last night in the fact that sometimes, like in our job, it's difficult because you don't really know what to ask because the, the typical question would be, so what happened? And then I think to myself, well, if you knew what happened, you probably would have taken care of it. You, you know what I mean? So... Now that you've had time to process it all, and thank you for joining us this morning, just kind of take me through your analysis of everything that took place. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's hard, I think, to put, uh, you know, finger on one thing, as you just said. I think if you if you were to step back, there's a variety of things that, that ultimately lead to us being in this position. And, you know, the, the, the crappy part about it is it's not just one of us, right? There was four of our cars, Cat snuck in, um, you know, on, on day one there, which was great to relieve some pressure. And then of course there was, there was the other three of us that were left to, to fight it out the next day. We always felt Christian was safe. He was the next quickest car in our fleet, I would say. And really I was the slowest all week on pure speed. Uh, and the question would be why, you know, uh, and as you just said, I, I think, you know, if we, if we knew, uh, we would, we would have clearly fixed it. I, I do think, you know, that's going to be one of our challenges and, and changes for the, the rest of this year and going forward is, is putting the right processes in place to truly identify that. Um, nothing screams obvious for you know for for the reason that the car was in that position but 
but that's Indy. And uh, ultimately, you know, we've seen it here before. You know, I remember I was talking to RHR last night. You know, I remember him going through his struggles, Hinch going through his. Uh, there's been a lot of good guys who have gone through this. And all of us are left in the same position, which is scratching your head as to what the hell went wrong. You know, how do we get here? Um, but in light of all of that, there's, you know, I think there, you, there's a reason for all of these things. There's a reason things happen in life. And for me, I think it's good motivation, you know, to understand and make sure that we are never in this position again. Um, and ultimately, I could pinpoint, you know, a handful of things right away that need to be looked at and worked through. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm sure that we'll get there, and I'm sure that we'll do it and do it appropriately. Graham, I want to echo what Jake said. Thank you for the time this morning. Um, can you kind of take us inside of your helmet there as Jack is attempting that that final run? What were your emotions at that point? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I scrolled through Twitter last night, and there was a lot of folks that you know were calling calling me out for for not for not running, uh, but they don't know that the rules are you could you can't run. Uh, in my position, I literally cannot run. If I move from my pit box, if I worked on my car at all, we were eliminated. We are we withdraw our time. So I literally had to sit there. There was nothing else we could do. We could not pull out of our box to go run. Uh, if we did that, in effect, we eliminate ourselves. So then whatever time Jack completes with is the time no matter what. You know, I at the second, for me, you know, when he pulled back out, Look, and, and I know that Hinch said it on the broadcast and all that stuff, and it's true that I've never seen a car go faster with heat soak, ever. I mean, I got a text from Dixie last night, and he was like, how the hell did that thing go quicker? None of us know, because it didn't change anything. They just re-ran. Um, but Jack did a great job to maintain it for four laps, and when he pulled out of the pit box, I literally... Looked at my rearview mirror up to the top of the pagoda, and the wind completely stopped. When I ran, there was maybe a two or three mile an hour headwind down the back straight. That's not very much. But with the issues that we've been facing, you know, with pure just drag, that makes a difference. And I said on the radio, I said, guys, we're in trouble. I said, look at the windsock. And it was flat. And also, I haven't looked at the data between Jack and I nor do I need to. Point zero zero seven is nothing over four laps. Uh, but, you know, I would imagine that that made a big difference. And that's life. You know, it's it wasn't, as I said a second ago, for whatever reason, you know, the 2023 Indy 500 wasn't, you know, in my life plan. Little did I know. Um, but I'm still here. <laughs> I'm actually out in the infield walking the dogs now. And we'll be here to support the team and try to give them, you know, whatever guidance we can, help them, you know, improve the race cars, which which needed a lot. And unfortunately, I was the best race car we had, uh, but the rest can can learn from from our setup and, you know, and, and hopefully put themselves in a good position 
uh, to go forward, you know, through the weekend. So we'll see. Was there any discussion, Graham? And I'm sure you've been, I mean, I've been asked this consecutively for 12 hours now. Was there any discussion or will there be any discussion about, from a sponsorship standpoint, putting you in one of the three cars that qualified within the team? You know, um, I'm not aware of any of those discussions, nor would I be okay with that. Uh, Everybody has earned their right to be in their position and in their teams and their cars. Um, You know, all of the people that are driving were were hand-selected to be there, you know, and they deserve to be there. Um, You know, as I said a second ago, I think the only thing you can say in my case is that, you know, we weren't, I wasn't deserving. You know, we, we weren't good enough. Um, and ultimately, you know, whatever happens with the sponsors uh, is, you know, is not, I, I'm not going to say it's not my problem because it, it very much so is, uh, but I don't know what all those things call for is what I'm getting at. I, I will be here. I've already talked to several of them. You know, I'll be here to, to go to dinners with them and, and host them at the track. And we've got our charity golf tournament on Thursday, you know, which which we are still 100%, you know, a go with. And we're going to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to give back. You know, all of those things are still, still a part of our plan. Um, so hopefully there's enough that we can do to, to make them happy uh, and get them their value surrounding that than anything else. And then what I would say is, I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know anything, but I surely wouldn't be surprised to see United Rentals, you know, in a much bigger capacity on on one of our cars. But I, I don't know, you know, I don't know who that would be or how that they would skin that cat. Uh, but but I, but it would make sense for sure for that to be the case. So uh, we'll see. Graham, you know, Graham Rahel's our guest on the Palo Sugars Hotline. We had set up this interview, as I had mentioned last week. Mark Dykton set it up with with Kathy of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. I, I don't think anybody would have been upset with or not understanding if after yesterday you said, yeah, I'm good. Why did you feel it necessary to still, and we're very grateful for it, but why did you feel it necessary to still do this interview this morning? Well, I mean, you know, I... At the end of the day, you know, I gave you my word, and and like I said, this place is it's a challenge in every every sense of the word, and you never know what can happen. You know, you show up here for the month, and and that's that's reality that uh, it can go your way or or it can definitely not. You know, and I, either way, you know, when you when you when you commit to somebody, you got to live up to to your word and. You know, that's why, you know, like I said, all week I'll be here still fulfilling all, all the duties that I can and perhaps doing more than I ordinarily would have, you know, just because, sadly, I've got the time to do it now. Um, but, you know, I think, it's, I think it's important. I think it's a lot of people can, can run away uh, and not face it, you know, head on. But the reality of the situation is, you know, we clearly have to face it head on. We, we we brought this upon ourselves uh, and we we need to you know stand up and and make sure it doesn't happen again um, you know but but you know it's it's important for me just to, to live up to my word and make sure that uh, I can still 
fulfill everything on my side uh, that I've committed to. Graham, I, I want to go back to <clears throat> what happened there with Jack going back out, and I re- recall you saying that there was a weight jacker issue on your car. If Jack, let's say, had put up that time with nine minutes to go on the clock, could you have gone back out there, and do you think you could have, I guess, topped that time? Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. But Was there any know, the talk to leave you time? Was there any talk between the teams of, okay, Jack, you so go his, out there, yeah. and then Graham can get a chance? His, his first run was intended to leave me time. But <clears throat> he didn't go better. Uh, better than me, at least. He went better than he had, but he didn't go better than me. And honestly, I thought maybe that would be it. Like, get one shot at it, whatever. But they bolted a set of tires on the thing and took out a little bit of front wing, and, you know, magic happened. And that's what Indy's about. You know, it is. It's a magical place. And, as I said, I probably got, cool. I don't know, a hundred text messages from other team members, other dri- almost every other driver in the field. Uh, you know, and literally every one of them was like, how the hell does a hot car go faster? I mean, nobody can figure it out, nor can I. <laughs> so when, you know, when it, you know, that's what I mean. It's a magical place. And for whatever reason, it was Jack's opportunity. It wasn't mine. And so I didn't. We didn't have time, clearly, to react. He went out with two minutes left on the clock. I couldn't do anything. <clears throat> and as I said, um, you know, the rules are written where if I moved at all, if I moved an inch from my pit box, I, I withdraw my time. It is not like the day before where you can run and run and run and run, and if you improve, great. It's not that way. Uh, so I couldn't run, you know, I was in. And so in that capacity, I had to sit and just wait. Um, which is, which is clearly an awful feeling, you know, when you know the Indy 500 is on the line, but in reflection too, as I just said, I certainly don't think that we should be fighting for, you know, 30, you know, 32nd, 33rd, whatever, you know, I, I, we as a team should be a lot further forward than that. So the disappointment would have been the same either way, whether it was me or it was Jack. And as I've said multiple times, I think for whatever reason, you know, it was, uh, it was my, my time. It was my turn. It was my day to not make it. I don't really understand that or why, but, but I can't, uh, I can't sit here and ignore that, that, that you know, that I, I'm a firm believer that everything in life happens for a reason, and I can't sit here and just ignore that. Well, you Graham, know, there, there's some reason I'm not in it. I, I think that, you know, sometimes I think in life, one of the things I've learned, and I'm, I'm old, it took me a long time to learn this, but one of the things I learned sometimes is that, like, you're not defined necessarily by the challenges in life, but rather how you respond to them, how you answer to them. And... Does this, in your, if you were to crystal ball it, does this adversity for you in terms of with your team, where I know you've been frustrated in some of the qualifying setups and the results for your team, does the adversity that you guys went through together now cement or or strengthen the bond that you have with the team, or does it further 
give you motivation to, to see what else may be out there? No, no, no. I think, you know, for me, it's, it's important. Uh, I, I think you know me well enough, Jake, but like for me, I think it's important to, to be a leader across the board. Um, and that's my job now, you know, is, particularly the next couple of weeks, you know, is to be there for everybody, to try to make sure everybody's on top of their game. I said that to, you know, to my team last night. We all got together and had a couple beers and talked, talked about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think it's important for them to be here and to be supportive of the other three teams as well as we go through this. But we're a pretty tight-knit group anyway. Um, I do think, you know, in many ways, as I just said, you know, this is a major reality check to everybody. Yes, I'm the one that missed, but there's three of our others that are the last two rows that shouldn't be. So I think as a as an or, as an organization, it's a it is a great reality check that we need to do the right thing. As I've always said, you know, we we were we, we've got a a great group of hardworking individuals. We just got to make sure that we're working hard on the right things. And uh, I think we've got some direction, sadly, <laughs> a little late, but we got some direction. And I, I do think you'll see a much stronger organization to come in the future. The positive thing that we have going with this team is first off the sponsors. Uh, that's it. That's a big, big part of this. They make that you know we we work awfully hard to keep those relationships really sound but they they make our job our, the ability for us to do a lot of things uh possible but also the owners you know the owners you know they 100 percent are dedicated so if you think this hurts for me i can guarantee you it hurts a hell of a lot more for mike for dad and dave so with that being said you know i i do think uh it's a good um, kick in the in the in the butt, I think, for everybody to make sure that you know we are refocused, re-energized, and that we do the right things. Um, and so, hopefully, we'll make that happen. Well, Graham, I appreciate the time. I said earlier in our last twenty seconds here, I will simply say this. I think you gained a lot of fans yesterday, and I think you you showed people the Graham Rahal that I've known, certainly, um, that maybe has been misunderstood by some fans. People have asked me how they can uh, help out with your foundation. It is the Graham and Courtney Rahal Foundation. The information can be found at GrahamRahal.com, and I will tweet that out as well for folks that would like to support you in what was a difficult time in the way you handled it. We're out of time, Graham, but I appreciate it, and in weird circumstances, still look forward to seeing you, all right? Thanks, Graham. Yep. See you soon. Thanks. It's Graham Rahal right there on the Payless Lickers Hotline. That'll be up on the podcast along with Santino Ferrucci and Doug Bowles. Uh, really good. And both ends of the spectrum, the reality of what Indianapolis 500 is. Uh, a lot of drivers on all week long. We'll talk to you tomorrow.